his hauntingly beautiful music in movies, on radio and TV. He's sold over 20 million records around the world. His name is Zom Fear. Hello, welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Alien Covenant. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Murtowski. Hold on, let me look at some statues. I'd rather be Venus de Milo. <laughs> and with an Alien Covenant tagline or two, can't wait for these, Kelly Wand. Take that, Alien Resurrection. <laughs> mm, not sure how I feel about that. Go on, Kelly Wand. It's like Prometheus, but with dumb characters. I'm liking it. Keep going. It's like what Blade Runner 2 will probably be, but with androids. First Ooh. of all, Blade Runner 2, fortunately, Ridley Scott is not involved. It's oh. Hampton Fancher, the writer of the original one, and a fellow named Den- Denis Villeneuve, who Scar- you might know from other movies such as Sicario and Enemy and a goofy little thing you two guys liked called Arrival. So don't be bringing Blade Runner 2 into it, Kelly Wand. Give me another tagline. Franco's best since now you see me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you could stop there and I'd be super happy. Are there more? I will stop there. <laughs> me All right. Too. That's awesome. Well, Dingus, like there might be. Do you might guys remember some... Patrick Wilson in the first movie? What first what? movie? The first in movie. Prometheus. Patrick Wilson now? is in Prometheus? Mm-hmm. That's not true. When? I'll tell you later. All right. I've well, only seen that movie since when it first came out in Vancouver and never again. So I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, but Dingus still asked too much. how many times I've seen it, and I told him one time too many. Uh, I think he might have watched it again this week, so we'll find out about that in a moment. Uh, but first, uh, can't wait. Dingus, there might be some listeners who haven't seen Alien Covenant yet. Don't spoil anything for them, but give <laughs> them the basics of what movie we'll be talking about this week. Spoiler free. Well, this week we saw Alien Colon Covenant, hmm. a 2017 American horror sci-fi thriller movie hmm. about how Wagner is a little anemic without the orchestra. I'll say. <laughs> it was directed by orchestra. Ridley Scott. Uh, it was, should I say, directed by Ridley Scott. I'm trying to do the air quotes. It was directed by Ridley Scott with screenplay credit to John Logan and Dante Harper and story credit to John Paglin and Michael Green based on characters created by Dan O'Bannon and Yay. Ronald Shusett. Yay! Uh, we love those guys. <laughs> yeah, that's why I left them all because I wanted to get to Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon's <laughs> great, but it's, it's really fun saying Ronald Shusett's name. Isn't it? Ronald Shusett. It just yeah. – oh. It's a great name to say. It's for Boston. It stars uh, Michael Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, <laughs> Catherine Waterston, Amy Simons, mm. Lorelai King, Billy Crudup, and Danny McBride. Which one was Lorelai King? She is the voice of Mother. Oh, is, you know, he's mother. Voice. Mother. Now she has a voice. Mother. By the way, hey, uh, as a uh, Further proof that Blondie is a better musical group than the police. There's nothing in Blondie's oeuvre that resembles the song Mother. Just wanted to point out. Oh, my that God. Out. Carry on, Dingus. <laughs> uh, Alien colon Covenant is rated R. Well. For sci-fi uh, violence. Uh, bloody images. Mm. Or that might, that could be a British thing. It might be bloody images. Yeah, I think because it's Ridley, that's what he said. Yeah, he wants in the movie. 
Right. I want um, some sound and some bloody images. Right. Is that so your it could image be either one. <laughs> I think so. Uh, it's his, still settling. Uh, Monty Python version. Uh, also, language. Go on. Um, and some sexuality slash nudity. But what about the smoking? Because they're smoking. There's smoking in this movie. Um, I, got, I got that covered. All right. Well, Kelly Wan, I feel that smoking should be on there. What do you feel should be on there that parents should be warned about if they're thinking of taking their preteen children to see Alien Covenant? I'm assuming they are. Um, <laughs> some cigarette smoke CG. Rain clouds. One thematic element. Graphic telegraphy. And adult situations with a wet black person. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh... Not sure I want to touch any of those, so let's carry on. Um, Alien Covenant on Rotten Tomatoes, the average, no, the the percentage of reviews that are positive, seventy three percent of the reviews for Alien what? Covenant are like, yeah, sure, go check it out. On Metacritic, what? though, the average rating from various reviews is sixty six. Idiots, however, these are the people that CinemaScore polls on a Friday night. These are the people that chose to go see Alien Covenant on a Friday night and were in a location that CinemaScore deemed worthy of polling so that it would be representative of the United States as a whole, a country that recently elected Donald Trump. These people mm-hmm. said of Alien Covenant, they weren't into it. They were like, ooh, B. They gave it a B. <laughs> They were like, what? Uh, yeah, I'm going to tear the B here. I'm not going to give it an A like everything else. It gets a B. Stop dumbing it down for us. Damn. The box office, however, awarded it the number one spot with $36 million, which is no great shakes considering uh, Prometheus opened about this time of year to $51 million. Oh, we're catching whoa. on. That's what I would get out of I it. I think we're catching on, or the Alien franchise is just – it doesn't have the – Bite it once did, uh, but yeah, it's definitely down from Prometheus. Uh, what was not- Prometheus's Rotten Tomatoes score? Just out of curiosity, I do, do not know? know. I would have to go to Rotten Tomatoes. I, I do you think it would be higher or lower than seventy three percent? It's got to be. I don't even get the the seventy three. That's why I'm curious. It's got to be lower. Prometheus, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score for Prometheus was seventy two percent. So you're right. It is lower. <laughs> uh there was one percent like, yeah, of person who bailed and was like, nope, I'm at Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wait, wait, they, yeah, they were actually, so they were converted over. They were like, I don't like Prometheus, but I do like this Alien Covenant thing. Yeah, 1% of the people. So it's approval rating. The Alien franchise's approval rating is going up, we can say. Bit by bit. Bit by bit. 26 to go. Kelly Wand. I would like you to now give us some spoilers for Alien Covenant by synopsizing the events in something that you call an Elopsis Covenopsis. The title appears in the thing. Oh, right. Okay, good. I don't want things to get ahead of themselves, so Kelly Wan, take it away. Just go with that. Guy Pierce wearing – yeah, questions? <laughs> I feel like you were taking a moment to stretch, like you were really getting – Yeah, this one. there's a lot to think <laughs> he about. Was, okay. He was limbering up. Yeah. I feel like you're going to try harder, Kelly Wand. Ah, oh, spoilers. <laughs> What's it been, five years? Is that true? Five years since for me? That can't be true. That classic no. moment when I said try harder. Um, 
Guy Pierce wearing one layer of his Biff makeup is in an opening scene room. <laughs> He's all, wake up, fast bender. Ridley got Stacy Snyder high again. We're prequelizing Prometheus. Fastbender wearing a jumpsuit from Michael Bay's island stands up and yawns. <laughs> Guy Pierce is all, ambulate. No, ambulate with an A. Sick bastard. Fastbender walks around doing nothing. Guy Pierce is all, perfect. At long last, humans have made something capable of walking besides babies. What's your name? Fastbender looks up and smiles at the object dart he's standing beside. He's all, piano. No, to your left. <laughs> statue. Yeah. All right. Who's the statue of? Sh- Schwimmer. <laughs> <laughs> I need a first name. Ross? Right, note to self. Start naming the androids myself and get all the statues. Now, come on, play some piano. Dealer's choice. And don't forget I'm the dealer. Fastbender plays chopsticks. He makes a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> Guy Pierce is all, oh, Tom Cruise's Valhalla. My favorite. Speaking of which, I made you because I don't believe in evolution. You're going to help me find God. As I'm sure we all remember from classic scenes five years ago, based on some cave paintings in Scotland or something, I have reason to believe that he's white and bald, that there's a bunch of him on some random planet with a giant head on it. (laughs) They stand there looking at each other impatiently while some vertical and diagonal white lines at the bottom of the screen very slowly appear (laughs) by one to spell out, directed by Ridley Scott. With diagonal lines making the air quotes are directed. <laughs> Dingus. Fastbenders all. Forgive me, Master Pierce, but if you die and I don't, shouldn't you be the one naming yourself? Biff scowls and goes, Look, 3PO, just bring me teacup over here. That's the other reason I made you. He sighs excitedly. Can't wait to see how me character dies. Blaze of glory. We cut to outer space. Some more white lines excruciatingly slowly spell out Aliopsis Covenantopsis. <laughs> a spaceship smashes into the words, ripping a hole in one of its CG sails. Some words are all Colony Ship Covenant, time to Orida 38, seven years and one second. Another fast bender in a hoodie named Walter jogs around some pods way more advanced than the ones in Alien, waking up the crew, including a brunette lady named Daniel. <laughs> Danny McBride walks on screen. He's all, What the fuck? I'm in this? Fucking A. Suck it, Paxton. (laughs) They all crowd around Captain Franco's pod. Daniel looks in at him through the glass lid, knocks on it, and goes, James, no, James, what are you doing? Don't smoke right now. At least wait till we open the pod. Careful, your mustache is right next to the lighter. Fire lights up the interior of the pod. Franco shakes his head tiredly and burns to a crisp, while Walter clamps a pair of novelty-sized pliers onto the pod's lid and goes, 
Wait, how do these work again? I give up. The next day, they all convene in the CG room to listen to their new captain, Dr. Manhattan, go, Okay, people. Good news is we lost a bunch of extras, and in Biodome number 12, some of the lettuce I was going to use to make landing day salad. Gestures to Franco's charred corpse in the center of the room, and obviously one crew member. Now, since I'm a man of faith, stop laughing, McBride. I insist on not doing a funeral of any kind or saying any prayers over his corpse. <laughs> it's part of my faith. <laughs> so we're just going to leave it here, constantly blocking our way as a symbol of man's indomitable spirit. And also July. Second, colliding with the Opsis title ruined one of our sail CGs. So since McBride's our pilot, he gets to go out there and tie a chain around it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Everybody mutters with annoyance at McBride. McBride puts on a spacesuit, goes outside the ship, grabs a winch, and uses it to pull the sail back into place. It's not suspenseful, but it takes a while. As he's doing so... <laughs> I just see that three times. Or no, twice. The film kept making. I did a comeback. As he's doing so, some static attacks his helmet visor with an annoying screech, making him cross his eyes with irritation. To celebrate McBride's eyes, everybody reconvenes in the tape deck room to listen to McBride's interference static. The static's all... McBride's all... It told eight kids and four hound dogs and a piggy we stole from the shed. They didn't get much sleep, but had a lot of fun on Grandma's feather bed. That's Kenny Rogers. There's only one logical explanation. Aliens must be watching Free Fire. Daniel, the girl character's all. Are you joking? McBride's all. I never joke about Free Fire. Black character's all. Hey, yo, according to whatever I just pretended to tie up, the planet Kenny Rogers is singing on is way better than the one we're going to and only twice as far. The sassy woman character's all. I ain't going back in them motherfucking stupid-ass life pods again. Fact, fuck it. I ain't using any of our equipment once we get to the colony. This mission's dumb. Fuck all you. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Captain Manhattan's all. Right, that settles it. Space Bosin, purser's assistant, adjust course and use the ship's lift to head for wherever that thing's, you know, whatever. We're going to hey. rescue ourselves <laughs> some Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Daniel's all. Um, sir, can I talk to you in a different scene room for a second? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> sir, with all due respect, we don't know anything about Kenny Rogers. Plus, maybe that static was an accident. I mean, one time I saw Jesus' face on the side of a candle, even. But that only means I'm insane. I'm also a scientist. That means assuming the signal's pure chance and not investigating further. Captain Manhattan's all. Damn it, Daniel. I'm religious, which means God tore our sail as a sign, telling us to go to planet Rogers, period. And two more periods. <laughs> but, sir, what if, what if we're in a movie called Alien Covenant? Manhattan rolls his eyes. He's all, seriously? Come on, those two words don't fit at all. Have a little faith in the system. Amen. Daniel Size goes to her cabin, clicks on her grinder page, and watches a video of Franco scaling Mount Everest. He's all, yeah, hey, baby. I know, I'm in this movie, too. Suck it, Hedaya. <laughs> Me and McBride versus aliens, man. Woo! 
but not Rogan, obviously. Anyway, here I am on Mount Everest, baby. I know I promised you daily that we'd climb this mountain together or see the movie about falling off of it together, but Gary here said he was bored. <laughs> Behind him, Lou almost slips and falls to his death. Frank goes, Gary, quit clowning around. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Look, babe, I'm smoking a cigarette on the side of Mount Everest. In your face, gypsy fortune teller who said smoking would kill me. She turns it off and looks around to see Walter creeping up behind her with the rolled up magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Misdirection. She's all, oh, Walter, I was so compatible with Franco's character. He said we were going to build a log cabin together on the colony planet, even if we had to use shit. Walter makes his usual expression. Then he's all, he sounds like quite a leader. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I can't wait for more Walter. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Audience, remember what she just said, or you might get confused later. I look over at Jaden and go, haha, you failed your driving test. To celebrate Jade remaining a pedestrian, the crew wraps Franco's corpse in bandages and stands around it for a bit. <laughs> McBride upends a bottle and pours brown liquid from it onto Franco's facial bandages. He's all, just the way Franco liked it. Scotch and water. Hold the scotch. To Franco's character. He takes a swig from a bottle in his other hand and spits it out on Franco's crotch bandages. Daniel Saul, can we jettison the body already, please? McBride hits a button that says Franco's body eject and sends the bandaged figure flying away from the ship, twirling. As it flies past another ship, Tom Cruise stares at it and goes, Mummy! <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> wow. Ooh. It's like a pre-synopsis. Yeah, see? A pre-synopsis. Yeah, synopsis shared universe. Awesome. So much to look forward to. Captain Manhattan's reading the cover of his Bible in his quarters when Franco's bandaged corpse flies at the porthole behind him and finally smashes through it, shattering the glass. Angrily, he tears his Bible in half and goes, Damn it! Those assholes disobeyed a direct order! I said, no respect for the dead! God! He yawns and farts himself to sleep. Ridley leans over to me and goes... Yeah, I originally named Sigourney Weaver's character after myself, but there was a typo. (laughs) Also, I worked some Easter eggs into this film from my aborted Monopoly movie, thus the close-up of McBride's space boot earlier, because one of the Monopoly pieces is a shoe. Oops, sorry, I didn't mean to distract you. (laughs) I'm all, yeah, don't worry, I don't give a shit if you talk for the whole rest of the movie. They get to the planet with still no incident. As they stare at it from orbit, it's covered with hurricanes. Captain Manhattan's all, right, get the shuttle. Let's aim for that big storm right there. Man, this planet's awesome. (laughs) Keith Daniel Fassbender Manhattan and a handful of red shirts, including McBride's wife, lie down in a shuttle not named anything. McBride puts on a cowboy hat and says, presumably to his wife over the radio, Hey, sweet tits, try not to blow up the shuttle. (laughs) Everybody laughs affectionately. Captain Manhattan's all, "Uh, I guess we should call Franco burn tits. (laughs) Uh, No one laughs. He clears his throat and looks away. There's a close-up of sweet tits. Ridley nudges me and goes, community chest. The dummies land. 
Ridley nudges me again and mutters, free parking. See? The characters <laughs> wander around the planet with their guns out. Daniel's all, uh, so fellow scientists, what are the, you know, readings, oxygen levels, soil samples, anybody measuring anything? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Are we? Her black friend holds up a flickering device and goes, yeah, I ain't getting any reception at all. The fat ensigns all. Hey, look, guys, a bunch of wheat. Manhattan's all. See, this plant is perfect. We don't even need to plant the wheat. To quote Animal House, thank you, God. Clearly, we're in a movie called An Awesome Wheat Planet, colon, The Colony. <laughs> Soundtrack. is available in the lobby with a large popcorn and your rewards card. The angry Latina's all, yo, look, pendejos, a donut ship. They're all, whoa, wow, look how lame it looks. Direct sunlight. Daniel Saul. Boy, if this thing was chasing you, you'd be totally fucked unless you ran sideways out of its path. <laughs> Captain Manhattan's all, hey, guys, uh, what do you see when the Pillsbury Doughboy bends over? Donuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the ensuing silence, he clears his throat, pretends to pick wheat. The white fruit is all, hey guys, look at this. He points to a sign that says Marvin Gardens. Ridley nudges and winks. The character with the boring face is all, hey yo, I gotta take a shit. Everybody stand around here and wait. Fuck. He walks over to a cave. <laughs> they got a bunch of black alien eggs in plain view. They hiss and spatter black clouds and CG all over him. He waves a little of it away irritably and lights a cigarette using a blowtorch. Beside me, Ridley whispers, luxury tax. His breath smells like old man. The black CG forms the skull and crossbones in front of the guy's face. He blows smoke on it and chuckles. The CG flows into his ear. He gets up, crosses his eyes, slaps himself, pukes some black goo, then smirks, chuckles again, and rejoins his companions. I look over at Ridley and go, so you just took the already established life cycle for the alien and added a CG phase. He leans back and goes, and the best part, the movie's already half over. They go to a different cave filled with black eggs, which they all ignore. This time, the guy with the beard steps on one. The guy with the boring face walks up to Manhattan, pukes black shit all over him. Manhattan's all, Sean, you feeling okay? <laughs> Uh, sir, I've thrown up six times since we landed. Hmm, that is rarer than usual. All right, you head back to the ship with a couple female characters. The rest of them continue, walk a couple feet, then the bearded ones all. Hey, guys, look what I can do. He throws up black geysers for two straight minutes, then an alien comes out of his back and starts scampering around the wheat field. Everybody starts shooting at everything but the alien. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the shuttle, the Latina takes off the boring guy's shirt and goes... Oh, I see the problem. You got an alien coming out of your back. The alien starts clawing its way out. Her friend, also present, goes, Karen, don't worry, I'll save you. She runs to the door, locks her friend in with the alien and runs away sobbing. Then she comes back sobbing again. <laughs> Staring at her through the window, the Latina's stuck at the room floor. What the fuck, bitch? Let me out quick. Hurry while it's head stuck up Gary's ass. The friend sobs and leaves again. Then she comes back sobbing and goes, Don't worry, this glass in the door should keep it contained. She sobs off again. Then she comes back sobbing again with the machine gun. The alien <laughs> tricks the glass by breaking it easily and running around the ship giggling while the lady tries to shoot the <laughs> <laughs> 
Suddenly, she notices a fuel tank labeled warning, nowhere near alien, and shoots it till it explodes. <laughs> you know that red one label. Outside, Pat and Daniel arrive with the bearded guy and watches the shuttle explodes and the girl's flaming body staggers down the ramp, writhing in agony. The alien scampers free from the blast, giggling. Manhattan sighs and goes, all right. Maybe coming here was dumb. Thanks, God. <laughs> Daniel's all. So right now we don't need your competence. We need your faith. Walter to the androids all. Hey, the alien from the bearded guy's back still attacking us, by the way. Everybody <laughs> screams and starts shooting at the wheat while the alien jumps around squealing and flipping them off. It jumps into Daniel's cleavage, but Walter tricks it by letting it eat his hand. Suddenly, a black-robed figure appears and makes the aliens leave by turning on a spotlight off-screen. <laughs> totally established. Then he's all, this way. They all fall into a city full of dead engineers. Those guys in white face from Prometheus that made humanity and other species by drinking poison near a waterfall. Let's take a pass <laughs> Well, continuity's perfect. I don't know what people are talking about. As they pass among the bodies, Daniel, hey, uh, let's microwave one of these guys' heads and see if it asks us to try harder. <laughs> the robed figure disrobes. It's Fassbender with long blonde hair. He's all, I am Ross. Guy Pierce made me. <laughs> Naomi Rapace and I flew here. Then I landed and killed all these people with CG while they were doing the wave. There's a flashback of him doing this. Then he's all, I mean, uh, I just told you a cover story instead. Why does my hair grow? He winks at Walter. Hello, brother. I admire your bulge. Manhattan raises his walkie-talkie and goes, you catch all that, McBride? Oh, by the way, um, your wife's tits got burned up. Also, there's wheat. Come get us in the morning. He hands the walkie-talkie to Ridley beside me, looks at Fast Blonder and goes, hey, you guys have a fountain around here? I'm parched. Ripley leans over to me and goes, It's my birthday. Collect $10 from every player. Later that night, female crew member number four is in the engineer's makeup room doing nothing. Some white CG with a mouth walks on screen and kills her. In a man cave, Walter comes up to Fastblonder while Fastblonder is using garden shears to cut off his hair, so it's the exact same length and style as Walter's. <laughs> Walter picks up the flute and stares at it in perplexity. He's all. Uh, I know we can both play Mozart the second we're born, but I have no idea what this brown stick with holes here does. <laughs> Why, it's a flute. Here, play it. I'll do the fingering. And, uh, you blow gently into the hole. I stroke the shaft lightly until it gets nice and hard. Yeah, throbbing with dust. Here, let me tickle it. Now raise your knees while I mount your rump. Makes it easier to conceive penetration of the uterus. Crouched outside the door listening, Mr. Roper's eyes widened. (laughs) (laughs) 
As he does a double take, my audience laughs and claps excitedly. Bassplotter walks into the makeup girl's cave and finds the eyeless white CG stumbling around bumping into stuff. Bassblonder's all. Hmm, aw, there, there. Who's a uh, white CG's uh, forgot to give eyes? Uh, Behind him, Manhattan shows up and shoots the white CG. Bassblonder's all. What'd you do that for? Fuck. Manhattan looks at the makeup girl's corpse, then at Fassblonder. He's all, hmm, something doesn't feel right here. Fassblonder's all, come here, I want to show you something even dumber of you. He takes him to a cave full of alien eggs and guides Manhattan over to the biggest one. It bursts open and starts hissing. Manhattan's all, wow, these are great. How do you get the yolk? Stick your head inside. Come on, dude, this isn't Prometheus. How stupid do you think my character... All right, hang on. <laughs> Good, deeper. Hmm, no. Uh, try banging on the side with a stick. On the sixth egg, a face hugger leaps onto Manhattan's face. In a scroll cave, Daniel gets understandably bored and unrolls a scroll to find a sketch of Naomi Rapace with an alien coming out of her stomach. She turns around and sees Naomi Rapace's actual corpse on a bench with her stomach cavity burst open. She's all, hmm, I guess this explains the wheat. Fassblonder comes in and goes, dumb of me to leave all this evidence out for you to find. I mean, I'm Walter, not me. Uh, Walter's missing a hand. Fassblonder ducks one hand behind his back. No, his other hand. Captain Manhattan wanders in, yawning. He's all, hey, good news. I prayed and talked to Fassblonder here, so I've concluded this planet's awesome after all. Now, who else has a craving for spaghetti? An alien comes out of his chest. <laughs> As the alien eats him, Manhattan's all, oh, damn, I guess uh, my name from now on's uh, Captain Man-Eaton. Uh, yeah. No one laughs except one set of the alien's teeth. Captain Manhattan clears his throat and looks away. Bassblonder looks at Daniel and goes, by the way, I'm a traitor. An off-screen arm starts punching him in the face. He's all, oh, look, it's me fighting me. Whoa, what? Whoa, whoa. How'd we shoot this? <laughs> he and some aliens chase Daniel onto the ship that McBride now lands far away from her. From the ship, McBride's all, McBride, the characters run at the same speed. The planet's about to explode. They climb aboard, help the alien on board also, and then pull away from the planet. As they fly away, McBride's all, hey, look, there's an alien on the windshield, and the wipers are broken. <laughs> Daniel's all, I have an idea. She gets in a spacesuit, dangles by a cable from the hull, and shoots at various parts of the ship till the alien gets bored and falls off. <laughs> As she returns inside, Fast Blonder, now with three arms, walks up and goes, I'm not me, by the way. I'm that loser good android you guys came with that I just killed. I mean... <laughs> Black characters all, cool, I'm going to go take a shower. He grabs a surprised female character by the arm, and they take a shower together. <laughs> While listening to 1990s soft rock, as they shout, all, hey, yo, that's not shampoo, by the way, it's glue. She's all, hey, what's my character's name? In response, he opens his mouth to yawn. An alien's head comes out of it, giggles, and kills both of them. <laughs> In the flagpole room, Mother's all, Warning! Alien taking sour. Warning! Daniel rolls her eyes and goes, Jesus Christ, Ridley! 
She and McBride trick the alien by closing doors in its face till it takes the hint. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrate. Daniel tucks McBride into his pod. He's all, fuck, can't wait to see all the funny shit my character's got to say in the seek. (laughs) The pod lid closes several seconds later. He just stopped talking early. (laughs) Fastwater makes his usual expression at Daniel and goes, now let's get you back into your pod so I can take these alien candies out of my mouth. (laughs) She's all, okay. She gets in her pod and smiles up at Fast Blonder. She's all, hey, remember that stupid thing I said that one time about log cabins? Yeah, man, I was on fire that day verbally. Fast Blonder looks bored. She's all, holy shit, you're the other Fast Blonder. No! (laughs) After a few seconds of uncomfortable silence, she eventually hits the button that shuts the pod's lid on her own face. As Fast Blonder walks down the corridor of the Alien Covenant, he's all, Mother, I know your function is supposed to be flying the ship, but can you play a song for me that's appropriate to this moment? The sounds of chopsticks being played with lots of mistakes echoes throughout the ship. Fast Blonder walks into a drawer room and spits out a bunch of alien-filled candies into a silverware drawer. I lean over to Ridley and go, Go directly to jail. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly Wan, you have done something that no one has been able to do for me in 25 years, wow. and that is make me hope they make more alien movies. Yeah. What? No, no yeah. more. No, no, that Opsis was great. I mean, that, that – uh, well, you know, whether I like this movie or not, uh, if I'd hated this movie, that Opsis would have redeemed it. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah. Thanks. But let's find out whether or not I hate it. So – Dingus, you're announcing next week's 3x3. Kelly Wand, it's your 3x3 this week. So since I've got nothing to do, I'm going to go first. Oh! (laughs) That's the rules. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I can't imagine. uh, So my over and under, my my under is playing. Uh, Wait, which one is it? I do feel that this is better than... I do feel that this is better than Prometheus. uh, Because I think part of what's going on here, Prometheus... Who knows what was going on with that? And I look, I look forward to hearing Dingus relate how or whether Prometheus holds up. Dingus, you did watch it this week, right? <laughs> it didn't yeah. hold up at the time. Well, right, right. But so watching this movie, I think there were things I was supposed to remember from Prometheus that I didn't, and maybe Dingus can clue us in on, on some <laughs> of those things. But Prometheus, uh, Prometheus, I just, I know, I, I just thought it was trash. Like Prometheus was so confused. It was clearly Ridley Scott having no idea anymore what he's doing as a, as a director. Uh, just as a director, Ridley Scott is tragically clunky and clueless these days, and I, I just feel awful about that because he's done some great things in the past. Um, short of getting a really cool script, because I liked that. I kind of liked the movie he made from the Cormac McCarthy script, The, the Counselor. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, that's but I don't. I, I feel that that's not. I, I think that unless you give him something good, the best you can hope for, like with the counselor, is that he won't screw it up. I am convinced after Prometheus and this, the guy has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know what makes a good movie anymore. And I think this well, is terrible. Scary. 
But I think this is better than Prometheus because I think what this movie is doing is similar, nowhere near as effective, but similar to the way that J.J. Abrams approached a new Star Wars movie. And J.J. Abrams' idea was let's just remake Star Wars. Let's redo a new Star Wars with new effects and a new cast, new energy. Let's just remake the idea of the droid has secret plans and then we'll kind of beat for beat follow Star Wars. And it works. I loved Force Awakens. So I think – What Ridley Scott is thinking here and what the script is kind of trying to do is going back and just doing Alien and Aliens. Uh, It's trying to hit the same kinds of beats and the same appeal. Now, it misses widely, I feel, but unlike Prometheus, I admire the basic attempt, and I will go so far as to say this. There were parts of the script that I really, really liked. There are parts of the script that I will totally defend in the same way that I defend the script that M. Night Shyamalan wrote for The Happening. I think The Happening is a terrible movie. I think this is a terrible movie, but I think The Happening is a really cool script. There are parts of this script that I really liked. And just to briefly mention this, and then we'll go on to see what you guys think of this. uh, Alien is a haunted house movie with an alien instead of a ghost, and there's a subplot. Involving a, a, an android, a murderous robot, right? This is a murderous robot movie with an alien subplot. Uh, and I liked the murderous robot movie a lot, specifically for uh, the ending was wonderfully horrific. I loved the ending, and it made me sad that I hated the rest of the movie because I loved the ending of this, and I loved the flute scene. Uh, the flute scene and the ending <laughs> almost made it worth seeing this movie. Did you see the ending coming? No, I, that was my problem. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think you're supposed. I think it's obvious that Walter is, has been replaced. I right. think the movie, the movie knows you want to do that, but I didn't get this idea that it was going to end with like you know they're not going to get back to Earth because of the timeline stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know that it was going to end with this idea that Walter has four thousand people to experiment on, you know, because it's really gruesome stuff. The the basic template for this movie and the part of the script I do like is basically the Tempest, the the Shakespeare play, uh, which was, by the way, made into a science fiction movie in the fifties called uh, Forbidden Planet. This is that, like this is the the Island of Doctor Moreau too. This is the crazy wizard, the mad doctor stranded on the island, and the hapless people inadvertently stumble on the island and don't know what to make of him. And, you know, Shakespeare's Tempest is slightly different, but the formula in science fiction and horror movies, like Island of Dr. Moreau, is you discover how horrific this person is. And that final twist where he gets away with the ship, I don't think I quite saw that coming until the movie wanted me to see that coming. Um, So, bottom line, terrible movie, but I really liked the part of the movie that was about uh, a rogue, mad robot that was kind of playing on the ideas of, of the Tempest. Like that part, the rest of it's terrible. Ridley Scott is a director, terrible. Uh, that's my oh, so my over. I'm sorry, my over is I badmouthed this movie. I think a couple of podcasts ago, and I want to step back from that because after having seen this, I think that Alien versus Predator Requiem, which is the sequel to Alien versus Predator is really, really good compared to this for a couple of reasons. Alien vs. Predator Requiem has a lot of cool, grim stuff in the alien tradition. I mentioned on the podcast previously, they kill little kids in this movie. There's a scene in the end of uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem where the aliens have overrun a hospital, right? And there's a maternity ward, and there's some pregnant women laid up in the maternity ward. And you're thinking somebody's going to come and rescue them, and the alien is coming up to the maternity ward. And you're like, okay, well, somebody's going to get in there and rescue them real quickly. No, the alien 
bursts in the maternity ward and these pregnant women in the bed are screaming. The alien clamps his mouth over the screaming pregnant woman and you see this kind of undulating in his throat. And you later discover – this is how grim Alien vs. Predator Requiem is – that he is putting little baby face huggers into the woman's like unborn baby. Like he's impregnating yeah. her baby. It's really grim, gross stuff because later they find these pregnant women with their bellies erupted, uh, and it's just gross and R-rated, and they kill characters. They kill the main good guy too, like the, the heroine you think. They just unceremoniously kill her when she turns the corner and catches a stray predator weapon to the face. Um, so Alien vs. Predator Requiem gets some things right that this movie got wrong as far as the alien universe. And furthermore, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, a lot of practical effects. The final showdown between a predator and an alien is uh, it's a real throwback to before CG in that they're doing the best they can with dudes in suits. And it's admirable. Like it looks good watching them try to create this big old fight between an alien and a predator without doing a bunch of crappy CG, because the CG in this I thought was, was terrible. So that's my over. Alien vs. Predator Requiem, my under is Prometheus. So, sorry to speak so long, but uh, Dingus, what's an over and under? What's your takeaway, uh, your overall opinion of this movie? Well, before I do that, I, I just have to say, right off the top, we only had one listener write in this week. That would be Chris Markinson, and he totally agrees with you that he liked the scene with David and Walter playing the recorder together. I can and see his laughable to some people, though. But yeah. his major question is: Why couldn't this have been a movie about David's breeding program without all the other stuff? Yep, that's that's you know he has a lot of other things to say that I'll feather into the podcast. But what you just said about the things that you liked about the movie that keyed because he really liked that recorder scene. So internet high five to Markinson. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would agree with you. I I think that um, I think there's a there's a, a few good ideas in this that I liked. Uh, I think it's a terrible movie. Um, I don't think it's as bad as Prometheus. I agree with you. Although Prometheus is not my under, my under is Event Horizon. Um, because <laughs> that's my under too. Because I think um, Event Horizon is a, is a movie that loses control of itself yeah. and. Uh, it, and also just doesn't have any concept of of how to uh, to to shoot fights or to shoot um, reasonable or interesting CG. But Event Horizon has an excuse because it's so many years previous to this. I mean, this movie's CG is unbelievably bad. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's, tons it's, of it. tons it's freaking. It's it's Highlander Reckoning bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's 2010 Spacewalk bad. I can't believe how bad the CG in, in this movie is. And your thing about practical effects versus real effects, oh my god, that the the CG alien, I can't can't watch it. I mean, if you watch any of the other movies, just one of those Stan Winston creatures is enough. Just a, a shot of it is enough to freak you out. Well, this this creature is just a it's just a cartoon. It's Kelly Wan's Kelly Wan's portrayal of it is giggling is exactly yeah. right. Like that's exactly yeah. right. It, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Kelly Wan, that's the sound effect for the alien. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's chittering it's just and giggling. Scary. Yeah. yeah. So my over would be the movie Oblivion, um, which is not a movie I liked as much as you guys did. I, I, I didn't really care for it, um, just, and I and I'm not closely bracketing it. 
Um, but I think Oblivion is much better, but I'm choosing that because of uh, building cabins next, next to a lake. Kind oh, of right, right, Dingus, right. Uh, uh, and that is one of the ideas in this movie that I really liked. Um, I didn't understand and get, and this is another thing that Markinson brings up as well, any of the, the faith stuff and why it's not followed up or why it's not paid off. Oh, and God. Me off oh, my God. Yeah. Because it, it's got such a great foundation, but... Again, this is the, the, he lays he lays his poor foundation for not doing that in Prometheus, um, but I really liked that idea of, of of her talking about that cabin next to the lake. I I hate the thing at the end because by then we all know, the moment he cuts away from the fight between David and Walter, we all know. We all know right. what's going to happen. I don't think Why the else would you cut away? Right. But I, I don't think the movie's supposed to the, – the tension then is when or are they going to find out. Like I think we all know. Oh. I don't think the movie's playing coy with us. There's no question I think for the audience. Like, like the fact that they cut away, it's very clear that this is David, and I, I think the tension right. – and, and you know what? I may be giving the movie too much credit, but my takeaway is that the tension is just are they going to find out? When are they going to find out? How are they going to find out? But and I, I don't want to mm-hmm. – go ahead. Well, I, I had actually thought that they – because I liked this too, where they set up that he would screw up little things, like that he forgot right. who wrote Ozymandias. Oz, yeah, so so I thought they were going to find out, and this is just me thinking I'm clever, that he he cut off his wrong hand. Like I was hoping that's right. what it was going to uh, be, something like that, that he was going to get some detail wrong. And that, that's pretty that, dumb. That, that is well, dumb, but so is – so is. I mean it's 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 the dumb sort of thing. away for no reason anyway. Yeah. But it's or a sort of like a – check off nail that, that she doesn't recognize. I mean this but, is another thing Markinson brought up. But a robot doesn't forget a piece of data like who wrote a poem. Right. Like that right. that's the thing is something short white like some fuse blew or he had a short or something. So it's the same dumb thing as wait a minute wasn't it your other hand that was cut off? Maybe that would have been too comic, but I thought it was going to be something like that. But I think we were supposed to know again I don't want to give the script too much credit, but I the the tension is are they going to find out? And I fully expect why cut away? Yeah, they're going to find out. Why not? Yeah, argue, if they uh, if they if they want us to know why? Oh, cut I away. see what you're saying. Because, uh, you know, I think it's a stylistic... because I don't I don't think the script is that smart, and I don't want to okay. be smarter than I don't want to be this much smarter than the characters if what you're saying is true. I'm with because I don't think, I think that cutaway happens if they want us to know. There's well, no reason for that. Well, that's that's why I think that it's clear because there's no reason for the cutaway. I mean, there's yep. there are other things that are no reason for like why are dumb people poking at stuff that are that are just poor writing. Uh, I, that's just such a weird, conspicuous edit to me that I feel like there wasn't supposed to be any t- – like, I, I don't know. You, you might be right. I just, think it, I just think it's clumsy. I don't think it's conspicuous. Well, so, yeah, there's so much about this movie that's clumsy, so fair enough. I wouldn't right. – I, I don't want to defend this movie's grace or anything. Because I, I think if they actually want us to know, then they just show it. And then we get to see an yeah. actual fight between these two guys play out and then him cut off his hand. Yeah, who's but the cutaway? But I don't think they're doing that. There's no reason for the cutaway other than to try to fool us. And there's no way they're fooling us because it's so clumsy. And then and he the, tries to kill the alien with them and acts a lot like Walter for the next ten minutes. So you can forget that you like, oh yeah, I guess it is him because he looks concerned for her. And he's why does he even bother with any of that shit? To trick, to try and trick us back. That's what I think. But, but see, I think you guys are giving the plot. script too much credit. Like you're, you're, uh, like you're thinking the script is trying to do little tricky no, here's the things. Thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think I don't think we're supposed to be surprised in the last scene, the way she is. We're supposed to go, oh my god, it's him. I think that's what we're supposed to think at the last yeah. scene. And you're you're giving it. Too All right. Much well, I'm obviously too smart for this movie then. 
You are. You're better. Uh, you know, I thought Batman died. So. All right, Kelly, you have to you have to do your over under now. Yeah, Kelly, Wan, you love this movie. What's an over and under for you? I wanted to murder this movie. I fucking. <laughs> I don't even like the robot thing because it's derivative and it's not even like an alien. The thing that made it awesome was that Ripley was a was kind of stood up to Ash, and you in when he turned out to be bad, you go, well, they're not getting along anyway. Oh wait, he's a robot too. Like she. Like I just didn't like uh, Daniels as a protagonist, and this was a problem with Prometheus. Be like they're both kind of pussies compared to Ripley, <laughs> and so it's just aliens and robots. It's like uh, the Star Wars prequels without Han Solo. Like you're missing the most crucial element that made it awesome. Now you just have the stupid Jedi being dumb. Um, for over and under, I just went with movies named after spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and my under was also Event Horizon, but I kept trying to decide if Prometheus was an under or not. Wait a minute. Finally, the spaceship is named Event Horizon in Event yeah. Horizon? Oh yeah, it is. The Event Horizon, yeah. Thanks, Paul as Anderson. Jeez. I know. Yeah, and then my over, of course, is Dark Star. I bracketed as far apart as possible. <laughs> and also, you know, get and the special effects are much better in that movie, too. Yeah, that's what's funny is if you watch Dark Star, then you and you go right from that to Alien Covenant. It's just the you'll see a, like the total difference between that approach to movie making and now. Fucking CG sucks. It's not good for horror. I think it's good in other things. Like I thought it was good in Gravity <laughs> as suspense, but you can't CG aliens are not fucking scary. And the Prometheus shit, I don't know. Prometheus at least was weird, and it was it was so bad and bizarre. It kind of was. I don't remember being as bored during Prometheus as I was during this. Although I had to see the first twenty minutes twice because the film broke, and it's a really slow opening. I like the first scene with David. Yeah, and that's why that, that as a setup for the crazy robot stuff. I yeah, yeah. That was, and I liked how I liked it as a it was like a quiet, slow opening with two people talking. Like, right. I kind of liked that as well. It didn't feel the need to be a set piece. Uh, but I didn't. I don't think this movie syncs up well with the Alien movies at all. They were because everything looks completely different in the ships. I, yeah, the production. I, I agree just, with you, Kelly Wand. Like, I, I just really hate seeing all this holographic crap that they introduced in Prometheus uh, because right. it's it's contemporary. But there's nothing like that in the universe of Alien. Right. I did kind of like the production design of their outfits and their weapons as colonists instead of colonial marines, like with cloth and cloth hats. Mm -hmm. Like some of that I kind of liked. Like these aren't the guys – these aren't people with cool heavy firepower expecting resistance. They're colonists in civilian outfits. Um, they go, well, you know, Kelly Wan, it was part of – it was the same part of me that looks for uh, news crawls when I'm checking out of a yeah. movie. I'm trying to think, okay, the avionics is still a little too futuristic. Hey, but look at those costumes. Like but Prome Prometheus's cliffhanger is, oh, you're going to see the engineer world. Ooh, and this is the payoff of that? This is the one – and the, the other thing is like this is the alien movie with daylight and, and like a whole other planet we've never seen before, and that's all you get out of it is just a bunch of bullshit, like a tiny little quad that you barely see at night and some wheat fields. Like it looked like shit. Like that's – I was expecting something really epic. If you're going to like even tie this into Prometheus at all. Well, Dingus, you watched Prometheus again. So, Does this – yeah. Do, what did that do to your experience watching this and to your recollection of what Prometheus was like? Boy, uh, what I remember from watching Prometheus again is 
what are one of our main problems with it was you're answering questions we don't want the answers to right and um and it's that you know the difference of technology because i also watched the other alien movies and it's so much it's such a joy to watch that first alien and see the technology you give a shit about the characters and you and, know and which how, which. how dirty and grimy the ship is and how there's like cords hanging all over the place and how they're arguing about their pay and and what the wake-up right. sequence is and how it slowly leads into something um it, it, whereas this movie feels like one of those Disney rides where you're like, oh, no, something has hor- gone horribly gr- wrong. Oh, it's an ion storm. Ah, now everything's terrible. Uh, <laughs> no, Dingus, it was a neutrino burst. Oh, a neutrino uh, burst. That's right. The ion storm happens later. No, that way, was a plasma storm later, Dingus. Get your science there, right. There are ion storms on the planet. Those were plasma storms. Nope. They were ion. Really? Ion. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, and by the way, there's a huge there's a huge storm that happens in uh, Prometheus, and of course there's storms all through Aliens. But I, I mean, like, come on, can you figure out something else to do besides storms? Can you maybe figure out something else to do? Uh, so watching planet. Prometheus is really disappointing because it's it. I was hoping there would be something there, and it's just such a load of crap. And and so again, I brought up Patrick Wilson earlier. He's He's uh, Shaw. He's Elizabeth Shaw's dad in the um, in the flashback oh, that yeah, uh, okay. David gets to see when he's like, you know, he gets to look at all their memories when he's wandering around the ship. Oh Rome God! And uh, and you get to see this memory. Oh, of yeah. Patrick Wilson talking about uh, the faiths of different people oh, and what God. they believe and what he doesn't believe, and this is what instills in his daughter this idea of of her choosing to believe the things in the cave. And this is what I choose to believe. And so uh, I, I know this is all grown, grown worthy, but I do like in this movie, I do like this idea of David, of David's whole um, impetus being, I want to be able to create something and him talking to Walter and saying, you can't create anything because you're, you're an, you're quote unquote advanced. Um, you don't have that power to create, and I have, I have the power to create, and this is what I'm going to do with it. Uh, so I do like that bad robot thing as far as the power to create is concerned, um, and that is the seed is planted for that in that Patrick Wilson scene, which is just a minor scene, but it reminded me of seeing James Franco in this. Dingus, am I supposed to understand what's going on in that flashback where Michael Fassbender is dropping like nanobombs on the big nose people? What like what what did he did he do that was he dreaming what I don't understand yeah he did it how did That's he do how it how did he get a spaceship with a bunch of nanobombs he had I the don't. spaceship in Prometheus uh, yeah nanobombs had, I guess were and, on it and somehow Doctor Elizabeth Shaw reconstructed him from a head right I mean because all she had was his head in a duffel bag right? wait so he yeah. got on a spaceship and flew around and this is a different they planet did. from from Prometheus yeah oh. I'm right. because. Because they would, were, cause they had coordinates to go to to somewhere else, right. and his head was in the oh, duffel bag. Oh, so this is the I see. Because I thought, uh, yeah, okay, that's that's the problem for me. I thought this was the Prometheus planet, and that he had been stranded there all these years. No, was, no, they flew away. Yeah, and then she was, says, "Yeah, his head's in the bag," and she apologizes for zipping it up, even though he's yep. already impregnated her with an alien in the in Prometheus, so she should yeah. fucking eat him. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, she, she has the weird abortion. Yeah, I remember the abortion thing, but oh, but she she gets it out of her in the machine, right? Right, but no thanks yeah. to him. 
Okay, right. He puts it back in her later on when they're. He also they... puts her in that machine. Or yeah, he's gonna fuck her. Right. He's right, and he's being super mean to her, and like basically admitting that he killed her husband and he's doing this to her, and he then she totally husband? forgets about it. Yeah, he he poisons. He sticks the aliens. Oh, right, right, right. The finger, the finger poisoning. Yes. I remember that. Right. Uh, so drink. wait a minute. He gets on a spaceship. He makes a bunch of nano bombs. He flies to the engineer planet, and he, he bombs. Them. Right. For no reason. <laughs> and they all immediately die from it. Yeah. It immediately. Yeah, they have no defense against it, even though they're supposed to be god, godlike or something. I didn't know if that was like a fantasy or if he was like if it was a third uh, robot. Uh, no, that's, that's when they're walking in. They see all of those all the right, right. bird creatures. Right. I got that. And I thought at some point it was going to explain it to me. And then that flashback happened. It's like, oh, OK, we're going to explain it. And then the flashback was over and I was none the wiser. I was like, wait, what? Neither were they. Yeah. Forget. Okay. I and forgot. That's your payoff for the whole. That so the whole reason Ridley made Prometheus was to go. Hey, let's find out more about that. The guy in the suit and on the donut ship. That'll be really interesting. And this is his payoff for that. For two fucking movies. Oh yeah, they all die off screen in a flashback. That's that's why <laughs> two movies. Thank you, Ridley. That was fascinating. Why, boy? Now when I watch Alien and I see that scene, I'll be going, Oh, guess what happens. Fucking stupid. Boo! Fuck this movie. <laughs> the donut chip. Ridiculous. Um, Chris Markinson wants to know if John Denver is having a resurgence. He is now. Well, I mean, he already – with Free Fire, he was. Not with this. This is actually tamping down his resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine yeah. him going, hey, don't do me any favors. <laughs> Danny McBride's character is that he likes John Denver. <laughs> And he's supposed to be uh, he's supposed to be echoing Slim Pickens, by the way. I read somewhere. That's why he's wearing that hat. What? Tennessee. Yeah, it's a Slim Pickens thing because Slim, Slim Pickens wore a hat, you see. So therefore, he's wearing one. And he was a pilot. That's what Ridley said. That's what we oh, watched. That's, that's what paying money that's to do. Funny, because that's exactly something Markinson says. He says, if I might paraphrase Kelly Wand, Danny McBride's characterization is that he wears a hat. Right. Yeah. And so, not only uh, that's like the only one I even remember. Like all those deaths, and not one of them is anyone we know or give a shit about. Uh, I disagree with that. So, Tom, Ooh. you said there were, there were a bunch of things you liked about this. Yeah, a bunch. Did I say bunch? I did say bunch. You right. had said there was a couple of things that you really appreciated about the writing of this. Yeah. Um, ideas, well, and I want to hear what those are. And the so, opening. Uh, so, am I? Let me just ask you this: Am am I off to really dig the the uh, homosexual undertones and just the boldness of that flute scene. Like, am I, no, that's am I weird to think that flute scene was awesome? No, it's awesome, and the opening's awesome. There's two good scenes in this movie. Okay. Well, again, I also the ending was horrific. I love that. It reminded oh, me. Yeah. And I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil <laughs> anything. But it reminded me of the ending of Life, and Life is a, is a far better yeah. alien movie, by the way. But I, I love that what. Out, what science fiction can do as far as giving you these horrific endings in a way that I guess you could do if you're doing a movie about being at sea. But it, in, a, in, a, in a movie that requires like gulfs of nothingness uh, and how life played on that with someone's pod going out in space and how this plays on it with all these hopeful colonists and they're just going to be operated on by him. That's just horrifying. I loved that. Okay, um, here's the thing, Tom. Uh -huh. That that would have been awesome, but then I read somewhere that there's going to be a sequel. Quit telling me things that you've read. I don't want to know this. <laughs> I, I want it in my head. I want the picture that I made out of it, Kelly Wand. Quit screwing it up. So the, the thing you like best is kind of bullshit. It's like, What's it's the like, picture in your head that you like that he's going to be 
After the airplane egg gag, uh, he's going to be operating on all of them. Well, yeah, I think the reveals that the reveals that that the alien stuff. I mean, all the first of all, I think it's really dumb that these movies feel the need to play with the alien life cycle because that was something established. That was the really cool thing about the first movie. It was this this horrific male impregnation rape scenario, and then the second movie brought in this super powerful female characters who fought each other and this queen that presided over this life cycle and that that's an ecology that's an alien ecology there and it was this really cool closed system for a while yeah and now there's this weird nano component that makes white aliens mm. but we're supposed to infer from all of this i guess that david ends up genetically engineering a queen maybe i don't know i don't know where it's going who cares why is that i don't understand it either because he's got so many experience experiments going on that he's got in the museum there. But he doesn't have and, any beans. Right, exactly. But there's no other life on the planet, so... Yeah, but there's if, wheat for, with no one there, There's presumably other life on the planet. I mean, there's presumably... First of all, there's no way that that much flora could exist that's, without some sort of a fauna counterpart. That's my question, uh, yeah, Ridley exactly. Scott. Hello, Ridley well, Scott. That's my question, says, because says, he, shows, he shows it from the insect level on out, and he, he talks about how everything is basically meat. And this is a virus that basically will eradicate itself over time. And I think that's the idea of the you don't hear birds anywhere, like that he's, he's sort of depleting his his fodder for experiments. And he specifically needs humans because it's what makes the really cool black alien that we all know and love. Uh, so he's got 4,000 colonists to operate on. And there's this idea, too. It, this plays into this anxiety of being asleep and helpless that paranormal activity mm-hmm. in on. You know, when you're closed up in one of those like sleep pods, you know, uh, Daniel's going to sleep knowing exactly what he's going to do as she falls asleep. You know, that moment of I think it's called yeah, that's cor- good. That's horrifying. I loved that. That moment. That moment that's called what did you say? Isn't it called crepescence? Crepulescence? Oh. There's okay. a word for that moment as you're falling asleep, and normally it should be like a pleasant thing. But imagine the most horrific, you know, I'm going to be operated on, aliens are going to be put in my body and the bodies of everyone I know and love and the 4,000 people I was supposed to protect. Uh, imagine that's the last thing you know before you fall asleep, and now th- th- everybody is in this guy's power. Nothing can stop him. Um, that's horrific. Like, I, good lord. Yeah. And I don't want to know anything. Else. Like, that's leave my imagination to to conjure up scenarios about horrific this is. I don't want a sequel. And I loved where it ended. I could have done with the, the don't like the bed bugs bite. Like, he's a bad guy. But uh, I mean, Jesus it's just the, the movie being clunky and clumsy. But as far as a script beat, that's that's a great way to end, and it's chilling. He also um, deliberately shows tells her too, or like he's not he, going to though, which I kind of like. He's not going to. It's only when when she calls him out. Oh. He's going to let her go to sleep thinking that he is Walter. Oh, I thought he made a face to like tip. He makes a no, face because he doesn't know he doesn't know about the cabin. She's talking it's about only when she says the cabin. Yeah, uh, yeah. He couldn't talk his way out of that. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, cabin, sure. She uh, says well, cherish you know, the cabin, and then he doesn't understand what. I mean, that's the thing. He's all, just, what? Oh, what do I say? She just what? saw in his eyes that he didn't know what she was talking about, and and it, it you know that I also like the idea too of, you know this has been played with so much and certainly Blade Runner is the best example of it, but this idea of can a robot feel and love and and have emotion and, and I and I liked this bit where David and Walter were talking about this and I, I I loved Walter by the way Walter was super cool at first I was like 
why is Michael Fassbender doing that voice? But yeah, I, I was I was confused too. He's like he's doing Agent Smith or something. It was very weird. Is that what it was? I couldn't I couldn't quite place it. Kelly Wan's impression was spot on. Right. I couldn't quite place it. It's, it's a it's a quality of his voice and an accent. It was like know. a gym teacher. Yeah, I don't know what it Fassbender. was. But, but I found, you know what, I found oh, it fascinating, and clearly they were doing it to set him apart from his Peter O'Toole impression, which they're later going to bring back. <laughs> But I yeah. liked that. I liked the Walter Walter, the Walter on David stuff, and I liked that. I loved Walter's comeback when David says, "You know, if that's not love, what is?" And Dave and Walter says, "That's that's just duty." <laughs> like this idea of duty versus love. Uh, you know, I liked some. That was I thought that was good writing. But doesn't uh, it annoy you that David is basically winning because his human opponents are fucking idiots, including Shaw? From he's like he's. Dealing, he's there's no, it's not a fair fight. Like they just seem to ignore all of his, all the warning signs about him. Well, well everybody's incompetent in the, I mean, and every all incompetent. Yeah, the movie is know, it's, it's premised on people having to do stupid things, and I hate that. Like right. that's dumb. And Ripley, the whole point of Ripley was she was like the one person in the universe is like, wait, this is retarded. Let's not do it. Well, you could even see them trying to do that with Catherine Waterston's character saying, no, let's let go to this other planet. And yeah, there's, there's no reason for her to say that. Like, you know, when Ripley says an alien, you, you know, quarantine, we got to do the quarantine. She's being uh, wise and restrained and she's letting the right thing override compassion. It's a difficult decision, mm -hmm. but you understand why she's making it. I did not understand at all. I, I think the idea is she wanted to go to the planet where she, her husband said, hey, let's build a cabin. Like, I think the idea there was she was too attached to that idea. But in, you're right, Kelly Wan, in Alien, Ripley made sense. She did smart things. Here, it seemed in that conversation with Billy Crudup, we're supposed to think, I guess, that she just wants to go to the other planet because she wants to build that cabin that she promised yeah. James Franco. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, in a, she does swing around with a gun at the end, but it's so dumb, I, too. Like her, that Spider Man <clears throat> stuff, her character. Jump, swinging around a rope, shooting a gun. Yeah. Oh my God, so bad. I was boots. just hoping she gets sucked into one of the engines. Oh, just it, yeah, just ridiculous. Do you like David's line? No one will ever love you like I do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I do. Okay, you and don't. I, it's fine, and I, but I will say that it. I don't. I don't see that recorder flute scene as having homosexual. Because this, they're kidding. brothers. You're fingering. I'll do the fingering. No, it's him teaching. It's teaching. It's not. <laughs> it's not that. I don't. I don't because see I'm it. Not I, saying, I'm I don't not shy saying away from that kind of thing. I just don't I'm, see it here. I'm not saying they're homosexual themes. Or there's anything gay about the two of them being together. I'm saying exactly. I'm saying that the 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 way that it is portrayed is oh, okay. in a weird way titillatingly homosexual. It's not the substance of their relationship of course um but i think yeah. it's deliberate well it's you know a flute and the fingering and the kiss yeah absolutely it's a weird the thing is i think it's supposed to be a relationship that the average person watching knows is different or, or weird or they don't quite understand that it was written mr roper specifically to look awkward to I imagine even it looks awkward to people who are gay, but specifically to look awkward to, to people who are straight. And also, by the way, as a – I didn't realize this. In the trailer – this isn't in the movie. There's a bit in the trailer where they specify that the crew is supposed to consist of couples. 
And I don't think that that oh, was. Oh, I didn't get that. I'm so glad you never, said that. I don't get that. Expre- that was never expressed in the the movie, but in the trailer, there seems like it's a dumb choice. It's a, but in the, I think yeah. what deal is between the Walter David scene is it's supposed to contrast that relationship to the oh. couple's relationships that we're supposed to see in the crew. But because this movie is so dumb and because they cut out the part where it's supposed to announce that to people in the cheap seats or whomever, it's not clear that's what they're doing. The idea being that this is a colonial mission. Everybody's supposed to be paired. Uh, they don't you're supposed to just catch that, but I think the characterizations in this movie are so crappy that it's kind of weird when Danny McBride says, oh, I was talking to my wife when I said sugar tits. You're like, oh, they're married. They're a couple. I thought he said sugar dick. Well, that, that was the rejoinder back to it's him. Sweet tits, sugar dick. Thank you. Sugar dick, yeah. So. Give it to Kelly Wan to specify how saccharine different yes, body exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It just seemed like such a bad idea to just from a crew standpoint to have couples having to do those things that seems like a terrible idea and now that you explained it it i guess that's just their policy but it makes no sense because you're going to make horrible decisions and and it's widening as i think there's so many dumb things in this script it makes sense for the colonists it does not make sense for the you know 10 people who are the crew who are supposed to protect and shepherd those colonists that is right uh, yeah, so I like this idea, and maybe yeah. that's why the line got cut. Uh, but I think there was something in the script that was supposed to get at this idea of human relationships versus the Walter David relationship. Oh, uh, so uh, yeah, but I mean, there's so many. Really? Like, what, like, how do you? Why are the cryopods hung like dry cleaning? Where? <laughs> yeah, where <laughs> a million things in space. Yeah, they break <laughs> off. That's like this movie is so premised on stupid writing and stupid decisions and stupid production design. I mean, oh God, yeah, so why does the cryopod the catch fire inside? Why does the cryopod catch fire? This is another thing Markinson said. Why is it one? Why does the cryopod catch fire inside? And two, why would you try to break it open? Since fire is one of the things we are most terrified about in space. I was kind of okay with that, just because it, again, I love horrific stuff. Like that was really horrific. This idea of being closed up in a chamber and burned to death. Like, that's what happened to Deadpool, right? Um, but uh, this, <laughs> the, the irony too of burning to death in a cryopod. In a, smarter, in a smarter script, this could have been cool. Uh, and it's just right. grim. I don't know if you guys noticed, too. It's also Final grim. Destination 3, the tanning beds. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Shalane yeah. Simmons, Kelly Wan. Some great uh-huh. Shalane Simmons scenes. Uh, when, they, when they have the corpse out, there's a zip tie holding the corpse's arms together. So presumably yeah. they don't fall off of the stretcher. Like, that was a really gruesome little touch. Uh, oh, I missed so, that. Yeah, it was, like, really weird. So the... The arms don't flop off of the the blanket. I guess it was just odd that they zip tied his wrists together. Um, so I was okay. I you know certain things just I think belonged in the movie. I'm putting Prometheus above this because <laughs> nope. I'm not gonna let you do that. Go on. Here's my here's my concept, my theory on this. Go Prometheus on. is was at least not derivative of anything. It was just fucking stupid. But this movie <laughs> has a little bit of the stupid and everything, and it's mostly derivative. And Kelly Wand, I'll agree with that, but I don't deny there were parts of this that I was like, yeah, this is a decent take on the alien formula. This is a decent take on the aliens formula. Prometheus, Prometheus, I never thought anything, but thanks, Damon Lindelof. That was my thinking throughout Prometheus. Yeah, I remember thinking that a lot myself. It was a great moment in Prometheus when they wound up in the chamber. I don't believe those words. I don't believe those words right there. No, I mean great, ironically. Uh, When they wind up in the chamber, 
uh, what's his name, the scientist, decides, you know what? I think the oxygen is going to be fine here. And he just pops off his mask. And yeah. everybody's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It is. And, and he smells the air and he's like, oh, I can breathe. And 30 seconds is enough for every other scientist <laughs> to checks. pop their helmets off. They're like, oh, yeah, everything's cool. Let's just pop our helmets off. And yeah. that is just so fucking dumb. And, scientists. and there are no there are no scientific protocols in this movie either. I know. The I know. Right? That dude flicks the cigarette. I wanted to punch this movie yeah. in the face. Yeah. And whenever they ask for information, they always go, yeah, it's pretty warm. <laughs> they never go 78 degrees, uh, 6% hydrogen. They They're go, splitting yeah. up. There's no protocols whatsoever for containment or anything. They just, they, the, the script kind of hand waves some of the, Oh, well, the protocols for containment, but they don't seem to care about anything related to, uh, to, contagions or yeah. to the fa- fact that right. they don't know what this planet the air is like or anything <laughs> yeah there's they, they just seem don't care pretty, no they have zero interest zero curiosity and they send uh, zero best, caution zero they send caution. most of their people down to the surface down. of this, this weird know, planet without even a drone first like they can he can remote control a ship down and just look and go oh, not wait. just that but why don't they fly over the area first mm-hmm. where the like that whole thing too if we're going to drop you off eight kilometers away without flying yeah. over it without getting a look at where it is fly that storm there that's the thing is yeah from space you're supposed to be able to see things on the planet but whoop, <laughs> okay. i guess there's a, there's a plasma yeah. storm or plus there's they're in a big hurry for no reason too because I, I, I just yeah like I, <laughs> we better get down fast because they have seven years to get to the next planet right yeah we they have to get down to here super out. fast yeah it did remind me though of you know look or, at the movie <laughs> look at the movie life in comparison with in life they were fully aware yeah. of the stakes and how you know there were protocols in place and like life was this idea I mean it took license in certain ways but this is what real scientists would be like in these situations this movie, more than this right. And life had scenes in it that kind of were scary or freaky to me. Well, as in this, there w- I was constantly disappointed by every scene with an alien in it. So let's talk about that. So we, we agree that the CG is bad. It's an R-rated movie, though, Kelly Wan. So you should have been happy with the uh, level of, with of the level of gore. No, nothing I haven't seen. And the thing is, I don't know. This is probably the dumbest thing I've ever said. But if you're going to sequelize something, it has to be better or something new in some way than what you already saw. And like okay. Alien had John Hurt's death in it. So you have to improve on that. And you, in, having them come out of people's backs repeatedly is not improving on that. <laughs> That's not something I was like, oh, what would that be like? Like there's, if, he's, he keeps expanding their life cycle stupidly, but it, there's, no, there's no upside to any of it. Like Kelly Wan, what would it be like if you sniffed black nano particles and they took root in your nose? Come on, how horrific is that? <laughs> is that what his ear canal looked like? It was that huge, like a fucking Empire Strikes Back space slug tunnel. It would, it would be if you, were, if you were a nanoparticle, yeah. And he doesn't. He just feels annoyed and itches. <laughs> At least they watched Wrath of Khan, so we know things going. And that happened in Prometheus. They just all go down. They get sick, and it's the same fucking movie. It's so weird. It's where so, you, all right, all right. You just so, aliens in it. I'll do the exact same thing. So here's my problem with the horror level uh, or the gore level, because I would. I would think that it, it it could be really stepped up, and they cut away at the weirdest points. Yeah. If you're going to bother to have that stupid shower scene, then show us the fucking shower scene kills. And if that thing is going to stick its tail up something, if it's going to stick it up her or stick it up him, then show us that. Because this is, is an just, R it, fucking rated movie. It just, it just brushed her leg. It's just like it's just like the cat in that Shop Girl movie. Uh, Stop going, it. 
throwing cotton balls at Jason Schwartz's balls. You know, it's just brushing up against her while they're having sex. It's super innocuous. It's just curious. It's fucking it did that in Alien with Veronica Cartwright. We've seen it before. It's We've just curious, Tom. I love that. It's just curious. I really did wonder, though, at times if they were kind of hedging their bets and, and shooting it as with the possibility that it might have to be PG-13. Oh, it really? really it, well, it didn't no look way. Like I, no, I mean, you I might agree be right, actually. Way, but, but the way it cut away from the kills, the way that there were no – like if you took out the blood effects, I think there are parts of this you could sell as a PG-13. Prometheus was R, and you – Sure, you know. right, right, right. But no, I, I think I'm you're saying, right. I think they could do a PG-13 cut. Yeah, I'm saying oh. as, as, a, as, a, as a – Prometheus, first of all, I'm surprised this movie got made because Prometheus did not do well. And I don't, I think this is the end of it because this didn't – I don't think it's going to do well either. It might make – cost less it might make some money overseas we'll see but i never would have expected this movie to get made so i'm wondering if one of the provisions for green lighting this and going ahead with it was give us the option to do a pg-13 cut but somewhere along the line mm. and i'm guessing that somewhere would be oh around deadpool they were like yeah okay let's go ahead and do it r i, I mean know. i don't know i don't know because you're right Ningus. there are weird cutaways there are so one of the deaths I liked, and I do, I want to talk about the cast because I'm super excited about parts of the cast. Yeah, um, me too. Well, just before you go to that, what you're going to say, what do you think about that shower scene? Uh, no, I'm with you. I mean, it should be an R-rated scene. If we're going to introduce sexuality in a violent scene, em- embrace it. You know, it's R-rated. Right. Make it more horrific. Yeah. Uh, I'm super unhappy with them killing the girl from La La Land. I did not want that to happen. Because okay. do you guys know that was the red dress roommate in La La Land? I didn't know. Yeah, that's that's uh, Emma Stone's roommate. That that okay. chick from Which Lawling. one was she in this? She was she's the, the one in the shower scene. Yeah, she's the one uh, in the shower scene. She almost Emma. makes it. <laughs> she almost makes it. You're right. Yeah, and I yeah, I was super. And then sad. the computer's all. By the way, there's an alien on board. Forgot to tell you earlier. Go take Actually, a shower. Quick question. Forgot how, to tell you earlier. How did yeah. the, a- the alien get on board? Am I supposed to know that? It got it on board with that. Daniel. Uh, with um. Uh, the guy who had the acid burns, didn't it? Oh, it was in Damien Bashir. Damien Bashir, I think so. Oh, I think. Uh, oh, I think that's right. actually when I went to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, right, because it was on him, and they cut it off, and it must have gotten a little egg. I see. Okay. I well, thought that's... that was acid, though. I thought it was just the blood. Well, but it, it kept getting worse, and they kept going back to that wound over and over again. So when they showed that quick shot of the body in the room, I thought that was him since he never Diggis, shows up again. Yeah, I think Diggis is right, Kelly Wan, is the idea that it, the face right. before they got it off managed to stick the egg in him, and uh, then it burst up and grew. It burst out and grew real quick. That seemed awfully fast. Off the screen? screen? Yeah, that's what I got, yeah. yeah I don't off- understand why the alien never eats anybody because it – it supposedly needs to grow and eat things, but it yeah. just kind of leaves all these dead bodies around. Anyway, Tom, what's the kill? Before I interrupted you, you were about to, t- to say a kill you really liked. So, yeah, one of the uh, – so, so the cast, I, I kind of liked for the most part most of the cast. <laughs> why, why are you laughing, Kelly Wand? None of the – I don't remember any of their deaths specifically or their character traits or which one was which or their names. I remember ah, every okay. character's right. name in Alien. Let me just verify. Let me just reiterate what I'm saying is I like the cast. I'm not talking about the characters. The characters are dumb. The writing is terrible. Uh, and here's an example. Uh, there are the two security people, Damien Bashir, Dingus, and I know who he is, and we like that guy. He's great. Uh, what's the – another tomorrow, a better tomorrow? What's the Better movie? life. 
a better life. He's really good in that, and I, I like that guy a lot. So he shows up as the head of security, and I liked watching him. I was glad he survived as long as he did. There was no good writing in there for him. I just was like, oh, look, Damien Bashir. I, I like, I'm glad he's in this. Right. Mm -hmm. So similarly, the other security person, uh, it reminded me of of what Joan Cusack was trying to do in Snatched is there was a super (laughs) there was a super badass security chick. And she's played by a woman named uh, Tess Halbrick. And I've seen Tess Halbrick in a really she's from Australian soap operas. She's in a really crappy science fiction movie called Infini, where she just plays the stay at home wife. But she's the lead, I think the female lead in an upcoming Jackie Chan movie. And I really liked her in this. Just watching her, there's no writing for her, just watching her as this badass security chick. Mm. And when she gets killed, like the white alien, it's I, it, like it rips off her head and throws it in that basin, and I think it's eating her body or something like that. Mm, like that okay. was kind of weird and gruesome, and they cut to her head floating in that pool a couple of times, and I thought that was pretty gruesome. Uh, you know, we didn't see it. You're right, Kelly Wan. Like it was very PG-13, safely PG-13. Yeah. You only see her face, and it implies it's a head. You barely see the headless body. Um, but I liked that cast member. I liked that woman a lot. Mm. I liked the. I liked just visually. She just looked tough. And when she when she took off her shirt, like her arms looked good. She had great tone. I was like, yeah, this chick is badass. <laughs> and and they she was checking her gun. She was preparing her gun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Things, yeah. And when she saw the alien, she didn't do the Veronica Cartwright, just freak out. And you could you can't blame anyone for that, by the way. If you see an alien in your face, yeah, you're gonna freeze up. Yeah. She carefully reached for her gun. That was really cool, but she didn't get it in time. Um, so by the Kelly way, that Wan- that white alien felt like it skipped over from Pan's Labyrinth. Ah. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, so, okay, so here's an example. The flute scene I loved. The blow on the white alien's face. No. Uh, that is so dumb. So, so dumb. Oh, my she God. She trusted me. <laughs> blow into a horse's nostrils. Really? Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. So who else? I mean, I love Amy Simon. What about when Captain Manhattan sticks his head in the egg? You know what? I have to tell you, I liked Billy Crudup in this. Yeah, I did, too. Um, I thought he has a, a really difficult job to do because he's played um, some pretty cool characters before. I mean, he's played Rockstar, uh, and he has to play a pretty, you know, thankless role here. He has to play the second fiddle, ineffectual, uh, I'm trying to take control of the ship kind of guy, and I can't do it. He doesn't have any script help, but I appreciate the yeah. fact that he's trying to do it, and he's able to do that after playing guys who are pretty heroic. His first scene's really good, where he's sort of introducing Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking, is he going to be the Gorman? Is he the Dallas? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I just I just want to shout out real quick. You jokers never listen to me. Uh, Billy Crudup is excellent in a movie that I consider a who's who of who is going to be the next generation of great actor. There's a movie called The Stanford Prison Experiment. Uh, Billy Crudup is one of the leads, and it's full of amazing young uh, male actors. Uh, so I, I recommend a movie called The Stanford Prison Experiment, and Billy Crudup is great in it. So just wanted to say that. But yeah, I, I liked him in this. Um, uh, poor Catherine Waterston, I didn't think was quite. Oh boy. Uh, There's your Ripley. You're welcome, I, slaves. I, I will say she was better than Numi Rapace, though, as far as oh, like God. surrogate Ripley. Uh, oh, less whiny, you mean? Yeah, it was, it was, it was at the deal. I, I, so, I so little remembered Numi Rapace in 
Prometheus. Is she whiny? Is that her? She's her, so whiny, and she yeah. just wants to be. I want to get pregnant. I mean, uh, <laughs> but they're both they're both basically the same pattern. Of, I don't remember of, saying that these mamby pamby. When they've done other good stuff, I mean, it, yeah. it's just script stuff that makes them into these. I mean, all she's doing is looking distraught the whole time. She her her basic script note is you're distraught. Numi Rapace, you mean? No, no, I mean Catherine uh, Watterson. Watterson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's always weird to see her and and I guess I kind of see Sam Watterson's face in there a yeah, little bit. Yeah. I love the I love the look of her and how kind of awkward she was with the short hair because if you remember Sigourney Weaver looked kind of funky in, in Alien like this very seventies yeah. haircut thing I I kind of liked how awkward little Catherine Waterston looked with with mm. her hair like that and she she has this cute soulful face um but yeah she's a, a unfortunate Ripley surrogate I'm afraid yeah her dangling from that wire was just I the, uh-huh. the, the audacity of having that character do that. Heroic silliness it was just. Uh. Yeah. Okay, let me let me, ask you, let me ask you guys this because this is something that I had. A, I, I just couldn't believe that it was a thing. Uh, you guys go first, Danny McBride. Oh God, I thought it was. I was actually that was one of the things I was most looking forward to. Okay. And then we went, and the second he showed up, and I go, Oh no, he's not going to be the straight character, is he? I thought he's going to be the fun one. No, he's not. He's going to be straight. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't wait to see how he dies. It's going to be awesome. Danny McBride gets fucking alien. No, no. Oh, he's the hero. He's going to be the survivor. No, back to sleep. What's the point? I don't, it was so miscast, I guess. I don't understand. I don't think he's miscast. I I think he's just because he's not doing his normal shtick doesn't bother me at all. I think he does a fine job. I just think the, the movie's horribly written and doesn't I, I mean I'm not it's willing like I mean, you're usually the one who doesn't blame actors for these things because you lay it at the feet of the writers usually I do uh, Kelly um, but I thought he was fine in this I, I liked seeing him play something that was a little more straight he seemed a little on the you know Yafikado kind of vibe and or maybe maybe because there's a couple on the Serenity ship uh, well, never mind. Don't worry about that. Um, I I liked the things that he was doing, and I thought he was I thought he was really good. I, I'm with Dingus Kelly Wand in that if I didn't know he was Danny McBride, I would have thought, oh yeah, this guy's pretty good. My problem is because he's Danny McBride, because he's so typecast, because he does what he does so well. Uh, I kind of had a hard time letting go of of him watching that, and a lot of the blame is I think because of the script doesn't play enough with the idea of him being the kind of blue-collar mook that Yafet Kato and Harry Dean Stanton were supposed to be. You know, he's a pilot here, and he's supposed to be a super competent pilot who's a crackerjack flyer of that whatever that crane thing was. Uh, You know, if he'd just been like a working stiff, because I think that's what they were trying to cast him as with Mm. the hat and everything, that would have worked. But because it was Danny McBride, because he was supposed to be a crack pilot – uh, I'm not sure. Well, piloting never comes into play, although we're we're told it does, and I guess he's flying well <laughs> at the end. But I'm not going. Oh my god! Like when Han Solo's in Star Wars, every time the Millennium Falcon like banks and flips around, it's I just picture him doing it. <laughs> like the, that ship flies in conjunction with Han Solo's personality, and in this, <laughs> the ship's too big and it's never going anywhere. And then he moves it towards the storm. Well, I that's just. just- 
that's not so a, much to do. That's again a, a writing thing too. Is I I think that right. decision yeah. to move down to eighty kilometers and forty kilometers that was dumb. Why are you sacrificing? You know, th- th- he's doing he's showing All like costs. yeah, exactly. There are four thousand people on board. There are what uh, five six. I, I thought they had four thousand colonists. Ripley would do that. Yeah, exactly. Ripley. Anybody who should be in a chain of command and a crew probably wouldn't do that because they right. understand their duty. But I I don't know if they're yeah, he, gets away with it. he makes dumb decisions. He gets away with it. He's Danny McBride, and I'm waiting to see if he's going to smirk or crack a joke, and he doesn't. And but like I, Dingus, I liked I like seeing an actor like that given an opportunity to break out of his stereotyping. So I was glad to see him not being Danny McBride, normally Danny McBride. I guess like when well, he goes for the pi- the private conversation where she tells him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He handles that just fine. And yeah. I really liked to get, see him get to do that. Yeah. The script is so confusing to me that I honestly yeah. thought they were gonna that they were he was actually gonna try to pilot that whole large discovery ship all the way down <laughs> well, to the even, surface. Even to the finale, like okay, it's so derivative too. Like she fights the alien yes. with a crane. I and know. she grabs I know, crane, seriously. Stuff. But then the finale it is, boots. doesn't even matter. Whatever. And they're gonna blow it out of the airlock. Well, that's the thing, and that blow it out of the airlock thing was just so busy with all the three D bits of glass uh, flying everywhere. Uh, and what I had no idea, okay, so uh, a big old truck is gonna go out the door and some people can duck but some people can't. Yeah, and that's I their had plan. No idea what the stakes were <laughs> there. And also <laughs> this is like such high rings would have come up with. Kelly one, I think that's an insult to Tyrese Gibson. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Curious A is better than Alien Covenant. Uh, oh, good lord, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I want to say, three years ago, you wouldn't have, I would have been, I would have worried about anyone who would say that, and now it's really hot. Uh, speaking of Furious 8, oh, actually, first, before we do the 3x3, three three, <laughs> a couple of bits of news I think the listeners might be interested in. Mm. I used a little thing called Google to verify A, Optimus Prime can fly, he's been able to since the Transformers 2. B, the fifth army in the Battle of the Five Armies is indeed a flavor of orc. There are two orc flavors. There's the humans, the men, the dwarves. Wait, humans, dwarves, elves. And in two flavors of orcs, the eagles are not one of the five armies. So I also, I didn't, I tried to Google, does the earth have infinite circumferences, but Google's too dumb to figure that out yet. Wait, two flavors of orcs are part of the five armies? Yep, there's orcs. According to all sources. Yep, well, Google uh, collates all sources. Google collates all that, Kelly Wand. Google. Uh, Yeah, so there are the orcs uh, from, there are the orcs from Dol Guldur and the orcs from Gundabad. Google is the last word on Tolkien. Look it up, Kelly Wand. I think Tolkien would be the first to say that. Dingus, all your right. son son just read the book. You can ask him, by the way. We can he, ask here, Kelly Wand. Ask him to name all five armies and write it in. And I bet he doesn't say, oh, also the orcs. <laughs> well, the like, thing is, kid, uh, that's dumb. what was great was when he was starting it is, is reading the, there's this intro page that says, orc is not an English word. It occurs in one or two places, but is usually translated goblin. Or hobgoblin for larger kinds. What? Orc is the hobbit's form of the name given at that time to these creatures, and it is not connected at all with our orc, orc, 
applied to sea animals of dolphin kind. Wait, Tolkien wrote that? Yep. Or some random person? The studio put that in the in the front of the book. Yeah, his, uh, his son Chris did it. No, it's it's in the it's in the book. It's like an opening crawl, Kelly Wand. In the Hobbit. Yeah, the Hobbit. All right, it's a all prequel. Right. It's a prequel. Yeah, like Prometheus. This yeah, my Prometheus son did finish the Hobbit. He did or... finish reading the Hobbit this very evening, and I'm super happy and proud. So the and, armies are fresh on his mind. You know why they're fresh on my mind too, Kelly Wand? Is because I went through looking. I um well. I'll save it for the, you know what? No, I'll go ahead because it's no one's going to pick this. I was just going to grief you. I love this topic, by the way. Now I was going to grief you with huh. this topic, and I was going to pick as one of the vehicle horns the reindeer that the elf rides in Battle of Five Armies. Because the elf leader, played by Lee Pace, he rides a freaking moose. It's like a moose or a reindeer. It's right. got huge horns. So I was going to pick his vehicle is that moose, and the horns. Or my favorite vehicle horn, but I didn't pick that. But it gave me the opportunity to rewatch the awesome Battle of Five Armies, at least parts of it. I was also going to check. Cause so the a dwarf, dude blowing a horn would be fine on a horse or something? That's one of the things I was also looking for, too. Is there's, right. a, there's a great bit where uh, I think it's Billy Connolly plays Dane. And he shows up with the dwarf army, and he rides a giant pig, which in, I think it's like an armored pig. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And I was going to look to see if maybe he blew a horn at some point, but he didn't. So, Kelly Wand, you'll be glad to know I did not invoke Battle of Five Armies for this 3x3 because I actually came up with good legitimate picks instead of just griefing you. Why didn't they bring those that dwarf army to the Smog uh, event? You mean when like, Smog hey, let's all... is up Lake Town at the first of the... Yeah. Uh, Where's the dwarf army during that event? That Why would time? the dwarf army intervene for Lake Town? First of all, it's abrupt. It's like a volcano erupting. The dwarfs don't have time to mobilize and show up. And why would they in the first place? No, I mean to go into Smog's chamber and get their thing, the Arkenstone. They can't. Why don't a, they bring an army to do it? An army can't beat a dragon, Kelly Wand. What? You know how many hit dice a dragon has? Three. Oh my God. I'm not uh, talking. About. What's its percent in lair? Kelly Wand. Anyway, if I, I can hate, bring the I hate in. the pronunciation of smog is smog. I prefer smog. You like smog? Yeah, but, but everybody else says smog. I like the idea of – I like smog because, like, his breath stinks, maybe, and it's orange like smog. <laughs> you know, like he breathes out smog. He's like a smoggy beast. Kelly Wand, that's no smog. <laughs> mm. I should try harder. <laughs> well, Kelly Wand, what is this week's three by three? Uh, moose horns on Lee Pace's mount do not qualify. What, what, what are we talking about? That's something Fassbender would have told Fassbender. <laughs> well, I, how is wait real quick, Kelly Wand? Give us a little insight behind the scenes. How did you come up with your Walter voice? Because I loved it. What this? This voice? Uh. It's just Rob Riggle or somebody. <laughs> it's Judge Dredd. It is Dreddy, isn't it? Yeah. I only have two voices or three. You get way more and than that. I, did, I just hope that we get more Walter. Plus all the racist ones. <laughs> uh, if if well, if if there are going to be references to Alien Covenant in future synopses, I would vote for Walter to show up to deliver them. Just saying. Yeah. I hope you lean over and talk to Walter during some. Exactly. Bring Walter. Have go see movies where Walter's in the audience as well. Really? Suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. He All said right. expire. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but this week's three by three is what now? Three by three vehicle horns. All right. That's the thing. Fastbender. He goes. 
Walter's expired in Walter's voice. So it's like he's already he's smart enough to make up a punch like a lethal weapon punchline. But then log cabin trips him up. All right, three by three vehicle horns. Those, uh, that's what I thought would be fun to do. Dingus, you're introducing next week's topic, so uh, start us that's off. That's how I came up with the topic in answer to your second question. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, I'm afraid I don't have a theme for you, Kelly. Just, I'm just choosing horns that I liked in vehicles. I mean, we're all going to have the same number one. There's no dispute about that, I'm sure. I doubt that. Oh, come on. There's only one number one for this. It's why Kelly Wan chose the topic. I'm sure, what... but I'm, I'm going to avoid that. Why would you avoid that? It's, it's wonderful. You know what? Think it's do your number three Because you think it's the perfect movie of all time, and I don't. Wait, what are you talking about? What are you even Just talking James? about? Just James? Who knows? Know what... We'll find out when we get to your number one, won't we? The perfect movie of all... There's... What? what? There's six of those. Oh, right. <laughs> Plus King's Speech. <laughs> so, so, so Ding has intentionally avoided the best vehicle horn of all time. But go ahead. What did you do? He instead? just sounds really upset right now. Yeah. All right. Instead, I chose this movie. Here's a quote from it. Everybody thinks they have good taste in the sense of humor, but they couldn't possibly all have good taste. Hmm. I don't. I haven't seen it. Yeah, neither of you will get this. Um, this uh, quote is said by an actress named Carrie Fisher in a movie called When Harry Met Sally. And um, the horn in question is at the beginning of the movie. It's a terrible moment, but I just love it, uh, where uh, Sally Albright has agreed to drive Billy Crystal's character. And I'm sure you both know who that is. Harry. Sally? Harry Burns. <laughs> his name is Harry Burns. Harry yes, Burns his name, is his name. His name is Harry Burns, and she's Sally Albright. Did he shave it? I mean, uh, I'm listening to what you're saying. About this <laughs> anyway, um, they're both in ridiculous uh, hair, like younger hair, because they're, they're leaving college. This is supposed to be super early before they've even met. Uh, they've just met... Basically, at this moment, they're meeting. She's uh, her roommate is dating Harry Burns, um, and <laughs> this is when uh, Harry and Sally meet for the first time. In fact, the script was originally called uh, "Harry, This Is Sally," I think. Um, and so they're going to drive from <laughs> wherever they are in in Big Ten in Big Ten uh, territory, Illinois or Indiana, wherever. That's how they introduce them. They're going to drive to New York together in her little sad station wagon. And um, she's waiting to get going. She's super hyper-organized. She's ready to go. She's got the trip all planned out. And Harry and the uh, roommate that's his girlfriend at the time are taking a long time to say goodbye. And they're like, I love you. No, I love you. I love you. No, I love you more than I, – I miss you already. I miss you. Call me. Call me before you get there. No, call me before I get there. And so they are just kissing and talking, and Sally just lays on the horn of her car, just – and they both get startled, look over, and she goes, Sorry. And that uh, startles uh, them out of what they're doing. Rascal. And then Sally can get on her road trip at long last. Kelly Wan, he's, he's picking things just to troll me. Tell him to stop it. <laughs> the horns all. This is Sally. <laughs> That's what she's doing. I think a better title for the movie would have been uh, 
dating Harry Burns. That's what I would have gone with. So it's a meat cue. The horn is their meat cue. You know, if you ever wanted to torture me, then put me in one of those clockwork orange chairs with the with the eyeballs opened and play Harry Met Sally in front of me. I will tell you anything you want to know. I will give up any information. I'm just saying. Yeah, and we're also going to put. You got mail and I'm okay um, with that. Sleepless in Seattle. I'm okay with that. It's just Billy Crystal in a romantic comedy. It's just horrible. It's the worst thing oh. in the world. It's a minor atrocity. He's a piece of pecan pie. To quote Sarah Huckabee. <laughs> Shepard. Uh, you're Paprikash, Kelly. <laughs> Channel, please. Thank you. So one of the many atrocities in the movie The Comedian, where Robert De Niro plays like an aging, like blue, crass comic, and in this movie, he hooks up with Leslie Mann. Uh, I said last week, by the way, that I think Leslie Mann can redeem any movie. That's not true of The Comedian, which is horrible. Hmm. Uh, So they hook up and have a relationship. But one of the other minor atrocities in this movie, uh, because Leslie Mann and Robert De Niro, De Niro's terrible in it, uh, De Niro, he's playing like a famous comic who's past his prime and he casts the movie casts all these other famous comics and there's one point he gets on the elevator with some schlub and they're talking to each other like they remember each other and halfway through the scene i realized i was looking at billy crystal yeah Ooh. so billy crystal that's, always a, that's yeah. like an alien coming out of your chest <sighs> yeah closing a tight scene in an elevator with de niro and billy crystal what, anyway my third favorite vehicle horn, this is difficult because Spielberg has three great vehicle horns, three of them. I had to settle on one, so I settled on – because I felt bad for screwing up my three, three by three of throws and catches, and accidentally because of a numerical error, a clerical error basically with my paperwork, I left off uh, War of the Worlds. The throw and catch. <laughs> so I'm going to make it up to War of the Worlds by choosing it as my third favorite vehicle sound, and that's that foghorn sound that the, that the tripods make. And it was also oh. when we did iconic sound effects. That was one of my picks as well. Is I love what Spielberg did with that. It's kind of mournful, like a whale, but it's like got the base of a of a foghorn. I love the horn sounds that those tripods make in War of the Worlds. And so the tripods are vehicles in your view. Because I thought you were going to go for the solenoid on the van that he sometimes somehow like honked the horn to when they got the solenoids in. He is honking the horn on that weird like the camera doing 360 degrees around the car while they're going through. Actually, is he honking the horn? I don't know. I just thought that when they're when they're when he does the whole solenoid thing, I thought that sometimes to figure out whether the battery works, you honk. Right. I don't know if you're you're calling tripods vehicles. Are you disputing that dingus? In which case, we'll have Kelly Wand adjudicate nope. because I already know he approved of my choice. Yeah, you're right, actually. Well, I, mean, I don't right? know what they're carrying. They're, I think they're, aren't they big aliens? What do you There's mean? Big no, aliens. They're, they're going to run around and and shoot things and be aliens. Do you not understand how War of the Worlds work? There's aliens. I there's don't. Martians no. in, there's Martians inside the tripods driving them. Yeah, you every, see every them movie, out. Exactly. Every movie, War of the Worlds movie, by which I mean both of them, end with the tripod <laughs> collapsing and an alien hand sticking out. So you know, oh, oh yeah. vehicles. Right. Yeah. It's true. He's Kelly, the carapace of the aliens in Independence Day are actually vehicles. Kelly Wan, tell Dingus to stop griefing me. <laughs> carapace? What the hell is he talking about? You know, right? A carapace? Yeah. Is the, yeah, no. I'm not even That's like sure. saying the engineer's spacesuit's a vehicle and not its ship. That's like That's saying my, sh- my shorts are a vehicle. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. What? Kelly, Wan, 
can't eat a vehicle. I like the War of the Worlds one because uh, because it like, bothers me. Yeah, well, that's my first. Wait, you're you're bothered because you don't get to sit in those vehicles, or just because it's not a horde? Like, no, I'm not... just being difficult because you're you're yeah. not going to stand up for anything. You're not well, going to fight anybody. Well, definitely not this. I'm not going to. Because I kind of liked it as a choice, and I didn't think of it, so I'm kind of I'm kind of admiring. Well, we're all going to have the same. So ju- those things have just been underground for years upon years, and the Martians have just been asleep. No, they beam into it. That's what they the beam down. Did you yeah. see oh, the beam? Dude? No, I have not. Who's in it? The good, uh, the 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 fanning with talent. Is Tim Robbins in it? Because I'll see it if Tim Robbins is in it. Oh, I did forget about that part. Dingus, stop bringing yeah. that up. <laughs> And then the aliens come out there, so that's the part Dingus also forgot, because they come around and play with the bicycle. Right. Aliens love bicycles. That's another vehicle, and it might have had a horn on it. We don't know. What I love about the movie is that it is – I love how it, it – this is a movie – the concept really – the title is really realized. I really love that, that it is worlds that are at war. Because of the way that the film resolves, I love how the title is is so important to understanding how yeah. the movie resolves. I love well, that. That's H.G. Wells. She give credit for that because H.G. Wells, the gayer of the novel, never mind. Uh, okay. And I love too that it ends before Tom Cruise gets to Boston and discovers his son is still alive. I love that that happens. That it doesn't mm. show that at the end. And Boston's untouched. Yeah, I love that, that we don't see that that part, that that is not the end of the movie. I right. love that about War. I love that we don't see how Robbie survives those massive explosions. Well, I love, is, I love I love, that he didn't, that his son got killed. I love that about War of the Worlds, yeah. I guess you've seen the, the Garrick cut. Right, and before, yeah, the last five minutes are terrible, right. And where he gets to Vermont. It's so <laughs> is that an I Am Legend thing? Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, Kelly Wand, what's your third favorite uh, vehicle horn in a movie? My number three favorite vehicle horn in a movie is in the movie Jeepers Creepers. Oh. Uh, he has that big truck. Victor, Victor he, Silva. Yeah. Okay. I like yeah, where you're yeah. going. So he's chasing Justin Thoreau. And, uh, right. I forgot that's Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Oh, man. You made me think. Okay. That's Before you cool. even knew who he was. Right. I mean, Justin Long. Oh, right, the, the Mac guy. Justin Thoreau is the guy from yeah. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Right. Right. And, and I, I like that for a minute you pictured it with him. <laughs> I was actually picturing Justin Long. Sorry. Wait, that, so that's not the candy cane one? No. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's Joyride. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fuck. That's Ted, Ted Levine yeah, in Joyride. Sorry, I've used but the no, F word too much. I've, I've, I've done my F word for the rest of the year. Sorry, guys. All right, we're going to write that down. No more F-bombs from Dingus. Oh, uh, Ridley's not going to like that when yeah. he casts the next Alien movie. So, Kelly, uh, what's, it's like a weird delivery truck or something. What's the Jeepers Creepers truck? It's like a big um, – it's like a giant train or something. It's like a really gothic, yeah, steampunk-looking yeah. thing. And its horn's all – it's all annoying. It's all – and he does it a lot. Like he's like – he's coming up behind him and like tailgating him, and then he just does the horn constantly. Right, right. And so once you find out that Jeepers Creepers is a guy with wings and like weird hands – and it's that guy hitting the horn all those times. It's even <laughs> why, did, why does he need that? If he's got wings, why does he need that big old RV thing? He has the RV thing and a horn that he loves on it. 
it does it he does it constantly and i was really excited by it and there was like i saw that movie and then earthquake happened and uh but i liked the horn so much i wanted to stay uh and see the rest of the movie because they but you had to leave jeepers creepers because of an earthquake yeah and then my friend's like we should get out of here because i was in century city it's all skyscrapers it was a really big earthquake and there was like a black dude from Chicago, and then he's like, well, "Fuck you guys! Have to deal with this all the time. I fuck this. I'm out of here." He got. He was just like laughing at us for staying. <laughs> and my friend's like, "We should go. I mean, I think we're gonna die here." And I'm like, "No, I want to see what's in the cellar." It was like right when Justin Long like is falls into the basement or whatever. So the movie kept going. Like they they just let it run. Yeah, that's awesome. But we were the only ones who stayed. But I go, "No, I want to hear that horn again." Was the main reason I stayed, but I never heard it. Again. Do you know if he has the horn in the other? Because I think there's two sequels for that, right? Uh, the second one's got Ray Wise and a school bus or something. Right, right. I like that one, kind of. You do? I haven't seen that whole so. one. Um, is it good? Does he have the car in it? So the weird thing with uh, oh, you know, okay. The, so the weird thing with the second one is, do, do you know, like, do you if. If I say the name Victor Silva, like, do you know what his deal is? He's the quarantine guy, right? <laughs> no. So he's a guy who did a movie called Powder. And before Powder, he uh, did a movie yeah. about some clown, about clowns or something. And he was uh, convicted of molesting the young actors. Uh, I don't know if it's just one actor or multiple actors. But he was convicted of molesting boys on his set. And he was arrested and he did prison time. So yeah. he he did his time and he was released and when he made Powder, uh, I think it was after yeah I think Powder was after that and that might have been a Disney movie but there was a big outcry that this guy guy yeah, had been convicted that. of molesting boys and he made this movie Powder with Chun- Patrick Flannery as a young boy and it was just uh, and I understand people's reservations so in Jeepers Creepers two you look like an engineer from Prometheus. Right. That's exactly. It was a prequel to that. Right. But in Jeepers Creepers two, there's a really a weird, uncomfortable scene that is super uncomfortable if you know Victor Silva's background, where there's a bunch of football players from this this school bus, and the school bus is is, is broken down, and the football players are stranded, so they get up on the roof of the the bus and they take their shirts off and they stretch out and suntan. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, Victor Silva is having these guys shirtless luxuriating around. And it was just really weird seeing that, knowing that it was a Victor Silva movie. What's Powder do? He's scared of sunlight, right? Yeah, he's, he's just some kid with a, a disorder where he can't get in light, I think. I've never seen and Powder. telekinetic. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, he's, he's telekinetic. Are you serious? He's magic? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, he's a magic kid. He's oh, like the John Travolta phenomenon. He can do magnetic stuff. I thought he was more like John Travolta in Boy in the Plastic Bubble, that it was just like about his his disability. I did not know that he was magic. No, he's a superhero with the tragic side. Oh, all right. And like, issues. I think there's like blue lightning that comes around him or something. Oh, all right, cool. So there you go, Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers, all right. <laughs> Kelly Wan, that's your third favorite horn in a movie. <laughs> You're welcome, young boys. <laughs> Dingus, second wow. favorite horn in a movie. Don't acknowledge it, Dingus. Don't acknowledge it. <laughs> Don't acknowledge uh, it. Here's a quote from this movie. But I got the van. Uh, <laughs> the van? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, is it a movie called Free Fire? Scooby-Doo. It is not 
Free Fire or Scooby Doo. Oh man, I like um, my guess. I, I like. I think it's a great guess. Yeah. Bill and Ted, both of them. I feel like I've seen it. Am I right about that, Dingus? You have because we've done it on the podcast before. Nice. I got it. Sweet. I went. Water Horizon. Deep Sea. So, right. Here's 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 the uh, dialogue from it. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, she left me. Oh, yeah. My mom died too, and my dad got deported. But I got the van. <laughs> That's Gosh. a good line. I mean, I haven't seen this. Kelly, one. Do you know what that is? No, but it sounds like a good movie. I'm already. It is a good movie. It's called Ant Man. Yeah. Um, Kelly, he's totally trolling me. Every one of these movies, he's going to troll me with. I feel like you didn't smoke enough pot for Ant Man, Tom. Like me and Dingus did. And Ant Man has a a terrible old beat up van that has a La Cucaracha horn. An Ant Man. Um, Wait, that's Paul Rudd's car. Well, no, it's Luis's car. Right, okay. Hello, Michael Pena. Well, I thought you said um, Ant-Man had it. Michael Pena's not Ant-Man in the movie. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Dingus. Wait, Ant-Man. hold on. Let me rewatch it real quick. Okay, but uh, Paul Rudd borrows it to go to his uh, daughter's birthday party, to which he is not invited and to which he's not allowed to attend, but he goes in anyway. Uh, and then when he's driving away, while she's being held by her stepfather, Bobby Cannavale, uh, he plays the horn. And he waves, and she, she with her weird teeth, is just so happy, and he's giving her this horrible little doll that she has that she loves. Uh, and then, of course, there's a callback to it later on in the movie, where um, when they're leaving, and I think it's Rizzo who's uh, who hits the horn again. I, I could be wrong about that. Um, when they're uh, in the dark, and Bobby Cannavale hears that horn off in the distance, he's like, "Uh oh." I know that horn. I know who's. I know who's in on this. It's probably uh, Ant Man, Scott Lang. <laughs> He's over there. I hope he says it like that. Yeah, I don't think he does. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I love the. I love that weird moment where he's driving away, and it's just creepy. And he's in this terrible old beat-up van that he has to borrow because he's gotten out of prison, and he's sleeping on his friend's couch, and he's trying to make, get his life back together. He's driving away from this birthday party that he's not supposed to go to. He hits the horn, and it just gives his daughter such joy. And later on, um, uh, a cop who is his daughter's new stepfather hears this horn and goes, "I, I know what that's about." Yeah, it's an ant. <laughs> it's an ant. Yeah. All oh. right. That great Marvel superhero movie, Ant Man. The Rich Man's Doctor Strange. Um, it's not yeah, Rizza, go by with the that. way. It's it's like it's Ti or somebody. It's not Rizza. Sorry. Nobody even knows who's Rizza and Ti. Those are people in Ant Man. No, Rizza's the guy in um, Repo Men that I really really liked. Uh, he was from Wu-Tang Clan. Kelly, do you know what Dingus is saying? Not normally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to movies that people care about with my number two pick. Yeah, movies really. that people care about. Dun, That's dun, the three. Dun. Yeah. So three. In, in 1975, a little movie named Jaws came out, and it was a big uh-huh. hit. People from all walks of life went and saw it, and it was very successful. Two years later, some folks decide, hey, that Jaws thing was was a hit. Let's cash in on it. But instead of a shark, let's make it a movie about a car. A car. Oh, that's my number two, too. Oh, sweet. Kelly Wan, high, internet high five. Yeah. Uh, 
So I like because the car in the car, it has this like it's like a diesel kind of horn, but the car uses it also to like taunt people and talk. Yeah. Like when it's attacking someone, it'll go with its horn. And it at the first kill when it kills the bicyclists, it it does that and it almost sounds like the soundtrack, like a Bernard Herman soundtrack or something. Um but yeah, so the car is part of a very a sadly small genre that I call the killer car genre where vehicles come alive and kill people and duel which is another great steven spielberg horn duel kind of founded this genre is what if a vehicle came alive and, and, and it killed you and there aren't many movies about this there's duel there's christine based on the spiel or the uh, stephen king book uh fast and furious nine the we, should hope, we should hope but also stephen king gave us uh, maximum overdrive uh yeah, he loves the cars. uh kill dozer in which uh, Clint Walker is driving a, a bulldozer and it hits a meteorite, and the meteorite has an alien intelligence that inhabits the bulldozer, and it comes alive and fights people. Uh, oh, and sure. then there's a great bit in the second season of Ash vs. Evil Dead where his mm-hmm. car gets uh, d- uh, possessed by a demon. But the quintessential killer car movie is The Car, which is almost beat for beat a remake of Jaws with a demon car ch- in the desert rather than a shark in the ocean. Uh Who's Quint? A mechanic? No, so I think Quint Yeah, yeah, well it's the it's the drunkard wife beater who they get the dynamite from. Don't you think? Uh the whole damn thing. He says something like that about the car, right? Yeah, the car doesn't the, have the tires, the hood, the whole damn thing. If you're if you're expecting <laughs> if you're expecting good writing in the car and good dialogue, you're in the wrong place, Kelly Wan. That's getting twenty miles a gallon. Twenty five. <laughs> it's not who's the dude? Wrong. Who's the dude in that again? It's James Brolin. Uh, and who's the same actors like Roy Scheider's? Well, his sidekick is there's You're no scared of cars. There's no real. There, his sidekick is Ronnie Cox, uh, who's I, like the good intentioned uh, deputy who is uh, trying, who's dealing with sobriety. Because the whole idea about the car too is that it kills good people. Like there's a point where it 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 could kill the wife beater, but it goes around the wife beater, and I'm not talking about shirt, I'm talking about an actual dude. It goes around him to spare him, and then kill the good intentioned cop instead. So the car, because it's demonic, spares evil people. Is there but, a priest who tries? To I'm not talking about the, the shirt. Yeah. Right, no, the guy literally beats his wife, and that's one of the subplots is this is the guy, but he redeems himself by bringing them dynamite so they can blow up the car. They don't blow up the car. The car's indestructible. The car has so many cool superpowers, by the uh, way. Oh, uh, so many. Win? Does the car win? Kelly, are you serious? I don't. I didn't see the end. I fell asleep. One of the great tragedies in cinematic history. I was history. at your house, too, when it was on. Oh, and we didn't. Kelly Wan, the, the, it's sat. We never got a sequel to the car that we should have gotten because the car ends, and this is this is important. Uh, the scene blocks that they, they buried the car under a bunch of rock. They blew up a canyon and they buried the car in it. And Ronnie, ca- and then there's a big old fire. And when I read the novelization of the car, it explained how – that's not funny. This is a real thing. It explained how in the fire you could see the devil's face, right? So every time uh. I watch the movie, I'm kind of squinting at that fire, and it's like, yeah, I guess you can kind of make out a face. Not really. Mm-hmm. But Ronnie Cox, you know, afterwards James Brolin's like, good work, man. We saved the world from the car. Everything's good. Yeah. And Ronnie Cox is like – but in the fire, didn't you see it? And James Brolin's like, nope, forget about it, Ronnie Cox. It's buried under 100 tons of rubble. We're fine. Yeah, the and devil has no answer to hell. 
and then there's a sunset, and then the 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 movie fades to black, and you hear you hear its horn, and then Kelly Wan, this is important, and this is why the car needs a sequel. Over the credits, there's footage of the car coming into a city and driving around in the city. Oh, fuck. Mm. It got loose. It's now in the city. And a cooler thing, in this footage where they just had the car driving around in the city, you don't see anyone or any other cars on the street. So my thinking, this is flash-forwarding to after the car has killed everyone in the world, and the world is now empty. Mm. It's a car apocalypse, and only the car remains. We We didn't get to see any of that in the sequel. I think they should take it to the Prometheus planet. What about yeah. just those chains that uh, flatten tires? Get the, do that. No, okay, so that's one of the car's powers. No, no, no. You guys are thinking way too. No, the car has way ahead of you because the car is bulletproof. It's indestructible. There's a point where James Brolin has a standoff with the car in the middle of the desert. He's standing there. The car's looking at him. The car's super. The car's like, looking straight. at him. When the car sits there just immobile and impassively looks at you, it's terrifying. So James Brolin, he's squaring off out in the desert against the car. He sees it. The car's just sitting there looking at him. He pulls his, his service gun, and he shoots at the car, and we find out, oh, the car's bulletproof. So then he tries to shoot the car's tires. Nope. Car's uh, tires, fuck. bulletproof. Bulletproof. What about gas? What if it runs out of gas? car doesn't need gas. Furthermore, it doesn't even have a driver. Furthermore, the, the doors don't even have handles on the outside. Uh, what if it gets a ticket? Uh, I dare you to try to give the car a ticket, Kelly. It won't work. You know what the car can do? When the car is driving, like it's driving forward, pretend it's going to go – it's in a game of chicken going head-on with a bunch of cop cars, right? Right, the Cop right. cars are like, it's going to turn. We've got it. You know, Between us, we're going to take him down. The car – swerves to where it's perpendicular to the oncoming cop cars and it rolls over 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 on its side like a steamroller and crushes the police cars and then lands on its wheels oh. and drives off with oh, barely what a dick. Crack. it's it's you cannot stop the car kelly wand the car jumps through a house to kill a woman inside the house you can't even hide inside uh, a house you get away uh, from the car. not even a house is safe from a car yep exactly exactly what if Kurt reynolds driving a trans am or Jackie Gleason. Don't even think about it. The car can ram cliffs to knock people what? off. That happens in the end of the car. James Brolin is on a rope. He's trying to climb out of this canyon where they've lured the car in, and he's climbing up this canyon cliff, and the car just starts ramming really hard into the canyon to try uh, to knock him off. That's how fast. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. it can it swim? Like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? That's a good question, Kelly. Why? Well, because it's in the desert, we don't know. We haven't we explored that part of the mythology yet. Doesn't overheat. No, it does not. Dennis Definitely. Weaver might have a plan. Why Dennis Wait. Weaver? What? Dennis Weaver from Duel. Trick the truck. Oh, good. Right. Well, that's that's how they trick it. So the thing is, James Brolin, he's like, we're going to lure it into this canyon, and then the wife beater with his dynamite is going to blow up the dynamite around the rim of the canyon and bury it. Right. So that's their rim plan. job. But the car, Kelly, Ron, the <sighs> car. The car is onto them, and it just oh. it, tra- it just drives out of the canyon. It's like, I'm not staying right. in this canyon. It drives out, and then it comes around up the lip of the canyon, and it's just going to drive over all of them and kill them. But James uh. Brolin and Ronnie Cox, they're super clever. They're sitting there holding each other while the car Aww. is <laughs> not like hugging, like arm to arm, right? Like Aww. if you're going to swing someone around like a little child, and you swing <laughs> right. around, each other like that. Like Danny and- McBride spins uh, Daniels around. Exactly, but without exactly, but without the spaceship yeah. between them, and yeah, the car is bearing down on the two of them. And Ronnie Cox is like, "We have to jump out of the way. The car's going to kill us." And James oh, Bullock's like, plan. "I like it." 
So it's like, no, trust me, not yet. And the car's getting closer and closer. Uh, and Ronnie uh, Cox is like, we're going to get killed. And James Brolin is like, nope, not yet. He and the car's getting closer, closer, exactly. And then James Brolin is like, now. And he pushes oh. Ronnie Cox out of the way, and he jumps out of the oh. way. The car misses them and goes off of the cliff. Oh, it does shit. Just like Dennis Weaver did in Duel. They didn't see and, that coming. Exactly. It didn't know the cliff was there. It then goes, lands back in the canyon. Then they blow it up at the rim oh. of the canyon, and all the rock buries it. Oh, so that's how they beat it. So just like where Dennis yeah, Weaver tricks the truck by making it go off of a cliff, this car can go off cliffs, and it's fine. We know that. We've seen that happen. It's like Wiley e. Coyote. Exactly. Yeah. Wait, does uh, the car jerk off to the scene in The Counselor where Cameron Diaz um, fucks Go on, kill one. Yeah, what, what does she do? She has sex with a car. Is it like a catfish? <laughs> yeah. Line. yeah, it's too gynecological for them. Uh, that's a hard I, R. I always assumed that the Owen Wilson movie was a sequel to the car. What Owen will uh, bottle rocket? Cars. Um, oh, what you... about the magnet in the junkyard? Why don't they use that on the car? Like, and then just stick it up in the air and you it can't drive. I mean, in the sequel, they might have to, because we learned from Breaking Bad, you can do awesome things with magnets. Magnets, bitches! Uh, do you remember the tagline for the car? Yeah. Well, there's probably several, but the one that stuck, Dingus, for the marketing, I'm sure this movie is hugely successful, uh, is because it's a question, what evil drives the car? Because you don't know. Right. You know, it's in there. And you know, we, used it's a lot that. we used to play with that by moving the punctuation around. There's no punctuation, Dingus. I know, Just but we used to play with it. Like I remember our friend Aaron going, what? Evil drives the car? Don't put punctuation in it. You're taking the car lightly, and it will drive through a house and kill you if you make fun of it. Because that's the thing is the woman in the house, the There's reason it like kills her is because she made fun of it. She taunted, she taunted the car. <laughs> Exactly. During the scene, she sent during the scene where the car attacks the Fourth of July parade, and she leads all the children into the graveyard, which is hallowed ground. The car can't enter there. She realizes oh. that, and she stands at the edge of the graveyard, and she makes fun of the car. And the car is angry. It's like spinning its wheels, and it's doing donuts. <laughs> it's super mad at her, so it remembers who she is and where she it lives. It's her at her. And then later on, it drives through the house and kills her. Oh, that's. Wait, it's, they're still in the graveyard, though. Well, they get out, and then later on, it gets her, right? They uh, get well, they leave the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, because they get rescued eventually. The cops come, and they rescue, and the car leaves. Um, and then they it, go, okay, it's never coming back. It's a car. Would a well, killer motorcycle be as scary? Uh, check out Ghost Rider. What about a penny-farthing uh, bicycle? It's haunted. <laughs> Didn't they just fall over? I, I read in uh, a book about the World's Fair, and they, it's like the bicycle was like, yeah, that cut way down on accidents. Because apparently the penny farther ones did constantly crash and fall. People would <laughs> break their legs. And they went, hey, wait, eventually, let's make the wheels. But getting back to the car, um, <laughs> so does it run on like sin or like the souls of the dead? There's actually a movie called The Car That Drove on Blood, or there's a, there's a movie about a car that uses blood <laughs> like as fuel. Right. It's a it's a no budget horror movie that yeah that's really bad. Oh. Uh, you guys, I, I need to see a big budget for that idea done correctly though. Yeah, it's it's a I think it has like an environmental message. You don't need to see that. Don't see that. I think it is called the the car that ran on blood. It's something dumb like that. Uh, hey, I recycle. Now that you mention it. 
You guys are trying to undercut the car. If you want to know how to make fun of the movie The Car, there's one effective way to do it. And I, I tried to show this movie to a girlfriend many years ago, and she completely took the wind out of my sails when she observed early on in the movie, oh, that looks like something a lowrider – that looks like a lowrider cholo car. Oh, no. <sighs> Which is so what? disrespectful. I think the car looks cool. Like, it is super squat. Okay, fair enough. It's low to the ground, but it's got, like, a super long, uh, like, front end. There's probably, like, a, a banging V12 up in there. But she said, oh, it looks like a lowrider car. And I but, had to concede she was right. But the roof has you, also been chopped down because the windows yeah. are so yeah. – Yeah, super low. Yeah. It, you it, like it, the car the way Ash the Android likes the alien. You admire its purity. I do, Kelly Wand, exactly. I do and Kelly Wand, I will take a rolled up magazine to your mouth if you're not careful. Uh, <laughs> all right, wait, so that's so I did. What I, number is that for Kelly? Kelly's at your. That's what? my and Kelly Wand's number two pick, and I really, I literally rewatched the car tonight, and it's awesome. Oh, so it's like Deathbed on wheels. Oh uh, yeah, but, well, except yeah, Deathbed sucks, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Deathbed <laughs> doesn't jump through a house to kill a lady. Yeah, Deathbed couldn't do that. All right, so that now brings us to uh, – well, we're all going to have the same number one pick. Go ahead, Dingus. What's your favorite vehicle? Kelly Wand, is there anything you needed to say about the car? I think you've said a lot. Does it but... go up the stairs? Is she on the second floor? Now, you do have a point. What if someone lived in a high-rise? Now, we've seen <laughs> from, right. from the movie Black Moon Rising. Cars, and high-rise, the movie. And probably one of the Fast and Furious movies. Cars can penetrate skyscrapers. We know that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the it's car true. probably would have a solution to that, but we haven't seen it in practice in the movie The Car yet. Uh, if it's in the elevator, though, you would see it get on. That's a good point. It can sneak into a garage. There's a scene where James Bolt <laughs> is at home, and he goes out into his garage, and the car is in the garage. It sneaked oh, in there. shit. And it pins wow. it in the garage, and it's trying to like make a bunch of carbon monoxide smoke to kill him. To right. choke. And it won't let him get out of the garage. Like the car is sneaky that way. It totally wow. And like his maid is coming out. She's like, "What's wrong? What's going on out there, James Brolin?" And he's like, "Don't come in here." And she's like, "What? Yeah. What is it?" He's like, "Don't come in here. The car is in the garage." He like says that. That's a line uh, in the movie. The car is in the garage. They call yeah. it the car. Like Jaws is never called Jaws. It's not, his name isn't Jaws. They never say this shark's name is Jaws. That's Jaws is in the ocean. But the car is indeed called the car in the movie. Right. That is its name, wow. capital T, capital C. That's Satan's name for it. He's so if it, w- if it was going after Luca, it could very well learn to climb stairs. I don't know who Luca is. Never mind. Why do you think I've got the same number one as you two? We've all got I guess this. it's like the captain on uh, Alien Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> through then who who are you and I in alien covenant uh I'm uh Walter and you are um, Shaw I'm who you're Shaw who's Shaw you the one buried yeah Naomi Rapace yeah you're Naomi Rapace Tom is clearly David and he loves you like no one else yeah plus I'm into opera I'm yeah. here eating sand. Kelly Wan, let me let me do the fingering for you. Uh, uh, now I know who you are. This took a turn. <laughs> all right, Dingus, favorite vehicle horn. Yeah, Dingus, stop Let's all, around. We're going to all talk about the same thing, so mention it, and then we'll all talk about it, because it's what we all picked. All right, what here's, a quote, here's a quote from it. Disco pants and haircuts. Uh, what? 
He <laughs> says it weird, so you never know which movie it is. <laughs> He's trying to trick us, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this Battle is from Bible. a movie called The Blues Brothers. Oh shit! Wait. So what? it's weird that you guys picked The Blues Brothers as well. What's your What's you guys' favorite Blues Brothers horn moment? Huh? Do they ever lean on the horn in Blues Brothers? It sounds like they don't care about the horn. They don't care about the cigarette lighter. Why would they care about the horn? There's one they moment hon- where they do, and it's not during the Illinois Nazis moment. They just read oh, the end. That's when I thought it was. No. It's in the mall, and I love this sequence so much. They go into this mall. They drive through the mall in evading the police, and they're just driving around the mall just creating all of this havoc. And it's just such an obviously fake movie construction mall that looks like it's just been planted on a concrete slab. Is that yeah. true? Because I always, as a kid, was like, oh, wow, they actually drove through a mall. Like, is that a set? Or did- it's gotta be. It just looks so dumb. It looks oh, like... I like- it was nine. I was like, yeah, cool mall. But they're, they're nice just, just destroying this place. And I love... Right, right. One of the things I love about Blues Brothers is how much mayhem they create and how how willing they are, the filmmakers are, to blow things up and crash things and break things. And I just have to wonder about how they did all of that. I, I haven't really looked at it. But there's a moment where they're first driving for the mall and uh, they're driving in their police cruiser and they honk the horn. <laughs> uh to get the all the people who are shopping to run out of the way because they don't want to kill any of these innocent people, um, right. and then they just Good. start driving through uh, plate glass windows and uh, and and meanwhile they're all just they're just the two of them are just making well the Oldsmobiles are out earlier this year and oh disco pants and haircuts and yeah, this mall they're on a mission hey, for God an orange Julius don't they have an orange Julius even there's orange whips later on that John oh, Candy whips. orders when they're at the uh, ballroom. No, but, but he, I think they later. even say, doesn't the mall have like an Orange Julius or something? Maybe not. I thought I that remember. was one of the things that they They, they don't call it Orange mall. Julius. They call it Orange Whip. And, oh. and John Kenny says, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, three Orange Whips. Um, but when they're just driving through this mall, there is this moment where you see his hand go down on the horn as they try to get all the mall uh, people – pedestrians shoppers out of the way so that they don't run them over as the police are chasing them through this mall and i just love that moment i thought it was going to be the illinois nazi moment but they don't honk the horn they just rev the engine which i think is thematically appropriate because they hate illinois nazis and if the nazis aren't going to move they're not going to warn them (laughs) they'll be just as happy to drive over them one of the things I noticed, and I don't, no one's going to pick this, I don't think, uh, in the French Connection chase scene, which I think is overrated. It's a great chase scene, but there have been better ones. Uh, in the French Connection chase scene, there's a lot of good stuff with sound, with the car's engine, and with Popeye constantly honking the horn and freaking out because people are in front of him. The horn is clearly just foleyed over because there are shots uh. where you see Gene Hackman. He's just got his hand on the wheel at the, like 10-2, mm-hmm. and he's not honking any horn. And there's even a scene – there's a couple of great shots of him just yelling, and you don't hear his yell, <laughs> which is great. It's like a silent scream. And there's one where he bangs on the top of the steering wheel as he's yelling, and William Friedkin decides, okay, that equates honking the horn. And he's yeah. not the, honking the horn. Is it one of those horns that – you know, some, some horns in the old cars had like that – there was that metal curve that went around that you could like push down on rather than pushing the center of the wheel down. Oh, oh, maybe you got something. I was, I was not aware of that. I assumed, I, I don't think I know such cars. I assumed huh. they were always in that center part of the wheel. So when Popeye Doyle is banging on the top of the wheel, 
it wouldn't make a horn sound. But you might be right. Maybe that there's a horn up there. Well, one of the first cars I drove and owned when I uh, was growing up was this uh, old uh, Peugeot diesel. And uh, its horn was like down on the column, like that you would pull, like that you would do for like windshield wiper fluid. You'd have to pull back on the thing. Right. And it just made this really sad, anemic sound like, Bleh. and in Virginia, you had to, you have to take your car in every year to get it inspected. Uh, and they do this whole inspection process. In California, you don't have to do that. You just have to get your car smogged every two or three years. I can't remember what it is. Um, uh, just to make sure that your car's not putting out too much smog. Uh, but in Virginia, you get they, they put a dime on the tire's wheels they, or calipers or whatever to check how much tread you have on your tires, and they check all the points to make sure that your car is safe for the road. And one of the things they check is this is the horn. And I took my car, this old Peugeot, uh, to this garage in Gloucester Point, Virginia, to get it checked out for the inspection. It's these old guys in the garage, like old guys hanging out front, smoking cigars, and another old guy in the in the bay, like checking out the car. And he says, all right, well, blow the horn. And I pull back on the horn, and it's like, Wah. and he goes, okay. And he leans, he puts his, his elbow on the on the on the uh, on the wind on the door, and he leans into me, and he goes, "Okay, if, if you are ever in like uh, a problem where you're driving and you need to blow the horn, here's what I want you to do." And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Just go, hey!" And all of his friends started laughing. <laughs> he made fun of your horn, huh? Yep. So you're talking about the like, I thought all horns were in the middle. My the Peugeot had this sad little. <laughs> It's a terrible place to put a horn. Yep. All right. <laughs> all right, Blues Brothers, best horn in all of cinema, according to Dingus. I don't know why he's ignoring the obvious best one. All right, I'll give you guys a line. We're all thinking the same thing. Wow, is that going to happen every time? I think so. Right? Oh, uh, come on. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. It's the best one. Name yeah, I forgot about it. Because of its narrative significance, too, is where it... Yeah, it, that's true. That's where they first, move. Right, they first meet with the horn, and <clears> then <throat> when she's hearing the music, there's a... Uh, when she walks into the club and you don't know what she's looking at, uh, Damien Chazelle plays a horn sound under the piano music, and then it segues back to his point of view. Uh, and then we go through, and then when you realize they're together, he shows up and sounds the horn... And that leads to a later point, which is how he finds her when she goes back to Boulder City to tell her that she's got the audition. And he's just sitting out there in the neighborhood leaning <laughs> on the horn. It's his signature move. Uh, but I love how Damien Chazelle ties it into an actual horn musical sound in order to back up and pick up the story from his perspective. Uh, and it's just how they meet. It's their first meeting yeah. is him honking a horn at her and her flipping him off. And that's just so L.A. I like that it's a musical. So you have a, you're, it's like you're thinking, oh, I'm going to hear pl- pleasurable human voices in song. And then like the hero's signature move is. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it's, while he's it's while he's listening to to, to that yeah. bit of jazz over and over again. Uh, he's right. just like, playing it over and over again. And he's got no compunction about interspersing it with that super loud blaring horn in that old car. What if he's like a fat, ugly, older dude? And that seems exactly the same. And then she sees him. I have no like, idea. Kelly Wan, you're, this is, these are hypotheticals. They have no place in this discussion. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> so obviously that's your number one as well. No, I forgot about it. 
What? It's the best horn in all of cinema. Yeah, that's good. I, okay, it's my I number one. Too. That's not exact. That's not at all what I thought you were going to pick. Why would anybody pick anything but that? So, okay, it, it's great getting to watch this again. I'm up to probably I don't know. How many times have you seen? It? I've only seen it once. Easily twelve, like, I, and probably more than that as far as just watching scenes, which is what I did tonight because I loved knowing. I mean, I hate that she got killed, but the the one of the last chicks to die in. Uh, Alien Covenant, uh, Emma Stone has three roommates. There's red dress, green dress, and yellow dress. My favorite is green dress, by the way. She's adorable. What do they wear? Uh, I love the bits that she sings. Red dress is uh, the the chick that gets killed in Alien Covenant, which was very sad. I didn't realize <laughs> this. We have seen yellow dress before. Do you guys know – like, does this – so uh, Callie Hernandez is the chick with the red dress who is in uh, Alien Covenant. Uh, Jessica Roth, she's the green dress chick who's my favorite. Uh, the yellow dress chick, is uh, her name is Sonoya Mizuno. Mm. She plays a character named Kyoko who has a dance scene in a movie called Ex Machina. Oh, wow. <laughs> I loved realizing that. Wow. Uh, she's the Asian robot in Ex Machina. She's uh, Emma Stone's roommate in the uh, Oh. She I also. Have some, I have some love. I've seen some. I love that, that sequence, and I, I think we've seen some really good gifts from that. Yeah, it's a great bit. Uh, she's also, Kelly Wan, you'll be glad to know, she's in Alex Garland's next movie as well, which is uh, that, that adaptation. Oh, of Annihilation. Movie. Yeah, Annihilation, that Vandermeer book that, that we've talked about. She's in that. I don't know if she's got one uh, of the main, major parts because they're all women scientists. I don't you know. guys stop talking. Stop talking. All right. All right. Jeez, I, don't even, I didn't even know that was a thing. You didn't know what was a thing. Annihilation. I didn't know it was a thing. An Alex Garland movie. You thought he just stopped working? No, <laughs> I'm sure he keeps working, but now you're telling me all these things about it. How dare you? If you read the book like we did, it wouldn't be a spoiler, Dingus. Uh, well, I well, we'll start with the, the third one. It's a trilogy. Um, like everything. <laughs> the Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> Alright, so Kelly Wand, obviously your number one pick. Also La La Land, right? Yeah, yeah. It's totally my pick. If it hadn't been La La Land, what would it have been? Uh, I like in the movie Wrongfully Accused when the train's chasing Leslie Nielsen, and then he wow. hides behind a tree, and then he peeks out from behind the tree, and then the train peeks out from behind another tree, and then hawks its horn at him. So that's my number one. I guess La La Land's all right, too, as a movie. <laughs> that's <goes>. impressive. <laughs> You know, it's uh, why we talked about watching Danny McBride in Alien Covenant. Uh, Leslie Nielsen, the it's a grandpa movie, but I've I've seen it. I forgot when. I know I've seen it. There's a movie called uh, For No Fantastic. Forbidden Planet, yeah, which is the Tempest uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Nielsen is in that, and there's nothing. He's not doing anything funny, but you know, folks who have seen Leslie Nielsen in his comedic career, it's really hard and weird to watch that because there's no difference watching Leslie Nielsen be funny and be serious. He does the exact same things with like his delivery and his demeanor. Uh, it's really weird watching Forbidden Planet. And there's a young Leslie Nielsen, and you're waiting for him to deliver some dopey uh, uh, Zucker Brothers punchline, and he never does, but he acts the same way. He's straight and nuts, too, that Barbara Streisand movie. Oh, all right. Dreyfus. The and Creep Show, yeah. You know that that's actually interesting. I, I remember hearing an interview with uh, a, a famous actress. I don't remember who she was. It could have been 
Jeez, I, you know, I can't, I can't even remember. It's just a, a famous classic a- actress. Um, and she was talking about kind of exactly what you're saying, Tom, but but saying it from a point of view of, of it being kind of a tragic thing. It might have been De- Debbie Reynolds. I don't, I don't know who it was. Who it was. Um, but she was saying that Leslie Nielsen was ruined by those movies because from oh. her point of view, he could have been – one of the greatest actors ever. Uh, he was just a really great straight up actor and doing those movies from her point of view ruined his reputation or his, uh, or how he could be cast. Like he could no longer do non-comedic roles. Is, is, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I just remember reading that thing and, just, and her saying she resented the way that his career went. Um, Did because he, she though? just thought that he could be like the Mar- she she thought he could have been a Marlon Brando or a James Dean or just somebody who she had that much uh, belief in his talent. But to me, it's harder to be funny, and I think he, you know, it's like James Dean and Marlon Brando wouldn't have been funny like he was. Well, yeah, I I definitely don't think it's a waste either, but from her perspective, whoever that was, and it probably wasn't Debbie Reynolds, uh, but from her perspective, he was – his talent was wasted because he didn't get to do all those dramatic roles that he might have gotten to do. Yeah. Kelly Wand, let that be a lesson to you, what happens if you're really funny. Oh, I think you just fade out <laughs> and make Mr. Magoo and uh, the third naked guy that's wrongfully used. Yeah, that's my future. Better to burn out than to fade away. Mm. All right, Kelly, what do the listeners have for favorite vehicle horns? I mean, besides La La Land. Uh, that's a pretty good one. I feel kind of dumb. Uh, I do too. I didn't even think of that. I thought Are you, you guys were serious. I, I I seriously thought, thought you were going to bring up something from Fury Road. I thought certainly Fury Road would have some sort of horn in it. Uh, I didn't check, but if they're, I don't think they bother with having horns in Fury yeah, Road. Yeah, they just cracked into you. I I I thought you guys were going to do stuff with like with like actual horns, like long horns stuck on. They vehicles. almost did. So in in this dopey uh, Death Race 2000 movie uh, from the the 70s, uh, Mary Warnov's uh, car. She they all have themed cars. Sylvester Stallone's car is a gangster car. Uh, Mary Warnov's character is Calamity Jane, and her car is a bull, and it's got horns that stick out of it. And there's even a dumb scene where she fights a bullfighter. Uh, the movie's so dumb, but her car had horns. And mm-hmm. while I was gonna also pick the moose horns that on Lee Pace's Elf Moose, I was also gonna pick Mary Warnov's uh, horned car in Death Race. Okay. I what, do that. I mean, La La Land is out there. What's the matter? But I also thought that that, you know, that there would be. I mean, good point. I just forgot about La La Land because I thought you would jump to Fury Road because that there's got to be somebody who's wearing like horns I, on his head or something in a vehicle. Oh, oh. And all all Kelly one said was horns and vehicles. He didn't say right, right. honking yeah. horns. He would not. If he tried to pull me over, I would. The Supreme Court would have gotten me off if he tried to arrest right. me. I would have taken well, the case bro. to the top of the mm. courts. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. With this new Gorsuch guy, maybe I'm wrong. But the letter of the law was just your right thing. It's horns on vehicles. So right. I could have picked Mary Warrenov's bull car in Death Race 2000, and I would have been I would have been within my rights to do that. Right. Or Daniel Radcliffe's horns and horns. He's not a vehicle. Oh. Well, the movie, he was a vehicle for him. Very good, Kelly. Daniel Radcliffe vehicle. <laughs> I actually watched some of Pee-wee's Big Adventure hoping that he had a horn on his bicycle. But oh, yeah. Oh, you've got to be kidding. There's no horn on that bicycle? It's just like a, I think it's just a little bell that I couldn't find Uh-oh. a clip where he was actually ringing and the bell. And it's stolen for most of the movie. 
And then I was looking for Roger Rabbit because I thought there would be, have to be a horn in, on the cat and that There's Benny the cat. Uh, is, is it weird that one of the things I remember from Pee Wee's Big Adventure is that his sidekick chick was super hot? Yeah. Is that weird? For, I don't know. Like, the girl from name, Valley Girl? I don't know. Wasn't her name Dottie or something? Yeah. Wasn't she really, really hot? Or is that just. Then me? the second one, he gets Valeria Galino and that other girl. No, no. The first girl was super hotter than Valeria Galino. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't remember who it is, but you're right. The Valley Girl girl? She's, uh, never mind. Watch Valley Girl and you'll see a lot I'm of Julie her. Sweeney. <laughs> who is it? Maybe she was on the television show. I don't know, but that just that's what I remember most about that uh, Pee Wee Herman movie. What about Large Marge? She's not super hot. Oh. What about Mark and Fairchild? Oh. Uh, that's, <laughs> no, wait. I, I'm not, Kelly Wan, that's for old people. I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> Sean Broussard writes, La Cucaracha is often used instead of a standard horn of vehicles owners, Hispanic, most recently in Ant-Man. <laughs> That's right. Racial stereotypes are so funny. I love yeah, I, them. I was profiling. <laughs> we hear it once as Paul Rudd's dejectedly leaving his daughter's birthday party again after the crew crashed Scott's daughter's stepdad's patrol car as a diversion. Scott's daughter's, daughter's stepdad's, stepdad's patrol, patrol car. car. There's got to be an easier way to say that. That's the Marvel Extended Universe. And there you go. In step smoking car. the yeah step car step version. <laughs> and Smokey and the Bandit, <laughs> Sheriff Buford T. Justice, tells the state trooper who's pulled him over to fuck off as a passing semi honks, drowning out the dialogue. <laughs> all right, all right, I concede. That is a good one, Sean. I no like that, way, Sean. No way you came out of my loins. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, the drown out of the F word in uh, Sucker Punch, Tom? Did they? Oh, I don't, but I rewatched that recently, and I'm its new apologist. It's got so your you... favorite Cornish in it. Does I think I it's don't... when the the gunner, like when one of the girls is gun, is like the gunner on um, on that big plane they're on. That's Vanessa and, Hudgens, right? And, and it's she says, 24. "Mother." Ah, right. Well, you don't want a pretty mouth like that saying such filthy language. In Battleship, Brianna goes, Mahala, mother... And then she, like, shoots the gun. <laughs> I'm surprised Dingus remembers Sucker Punch so well. Huh. Yeah. Understandable, though. Wait, Sucker Punch can get a, its one F-bomb? Maybe it already used it somewhere else. There seems to be some rule where if it's an adult PG movie, you get one. But if it's for if it's a Marvel movie, you don't get any. Like, no one swears in uh, Avengers, right? Mm, or does Hulk go, right. fuck! Right. Forget it, Jake. <laughs> in any of those movies, they walk in on Wolverine and he tells them to fuck. Right, right. There you go. Uh, that's true. But those are the Fox ones. He's the, basically, he's the designated Marvel fucker. Right. To say the F-bomb. And Deadpool, right. too. Yeah, right, right. That's the exactly. thing. See, Fox makes the dumbest ones, the X-Men ones, but it also gave us Logan and Deadpool. Yep. Much to Dingus's annoyance. Um, <laughs> forget it, Jake. At the end of Chinatown, Faye Dunaway tries. Oh my God! Dead gummit, Sean. Sean, that's a great one. I need to swap one of mine out. Wait, what do you? Wait, wait, what? what? This is a richer topic than even I thought. 
Yeah, At the end of Chinatown, Dynam- nice. Dynamite tries to escape John Houston with their daughter, but shots are fired at a car. She drives away. The horn blares nonstop. We soon see her slump dead over the wheel. And that's how you know something's wrong. Like, they, they, like she's off in the distance when the shots. I think it's John Houston, right? Uh, yeah. Or no, it's a cop. Is it a cop? I think it's just a cop. Uh, when uh, when she's driving off, it's all Polanski just shoots it from the perspective of the car off in the distance. Right. And it's when the car just sort of slowly goes off to the side of the road. You realize she hasn't just pulled over when the horn is going yeah. and going and going, and then her daughter starts screaming. Or mm-hmm. oh man, Sean, that's yeah. it. my number three is not War of the Worlds. It is Chinatown. Just back. Oh, okay. I and I'll think War of the Worlds. I just had to say more. that so I can edit that in later in the podcast over me mentioning War of the Worlds. Don't forget to edit this part out. Okay, I will. I'll get it. Uh, um. Yeah. What? <laughs> Do you know how horrific too the end of Chinatown is? Like, do you, so John Houston is the bad guy, and he what you discover is that he has raped his own daughter, Faye Dunaway, and has created a granddaughter out of that. And the the one of the central revelations in Chinatown is that he's trying to get custody of his granddaughter, and Faye Dunaway wants to protect. Her daughter, his granddaughter, from this this child molester's depredations, and the end of Chinatown is him cradling this screaming girl who he is no longer protected from him. Uh, he basically is about to spirit her away and presumably molest her for however much longer he right. has to live. Like it's horrifying, and and Polanski doesn't announce any of this. It's just pieces that fall together as you realize how fucked up things end up in uh in chinatown uh you yeah. know it's, it's and it's jack nicholson has done like it the whole forget it jake it's chinatown is basically in reference to uh, a young girl who's about to be raped by her grandfather for uh, right. her life it's horrific that's chinatown's reputation <sighs> that's it that's one of the perfect movies by the way um I love audio cues revealing information. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like that like character's death. It's really cool. Because that's why, like I said, like, like anything where it's in its best form as a movie, like in a book, it wouldn't be that interesting. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, runner up for Sean Broussard, by the way, and this is what I was kind of expecting more of from you guys, so I was pleasantly surprised, is uh, the sound of TIE fighters' horns as they fly by. <laughs> that's not a horn, it's a Doppler effect. <laughs> Yeah, due to space and the lift. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Keith Leith writes, Oh boy, oh boy, a Sibby the 3x3 is inspired by Donaldo, who at time of writing is still president. I've highlighted Trumpian thematic elements. (laughs) Uh oh. Number three. Oh, Donaldo, I presume, is a dismissive name for Donald. I I haven't heard that before either. I thought thought it was was like a soccer goalie. I think it said something about Lucas that I didn't understand. I thought Donaldo was something like that. Lucas Corey Haim? It's something about stairs, Lucas and stairs. I didn't understand his reference. Hmm. It was Luca. Never mind. Moving on. Why are you saying moving on when (laughs) when you won't? (sighs) Kelly, do you get that? Luca Brasi? It's, oh, yeah. good lord. You, you people in your, in your grandpa movies. Yeah, he was a grandpa. <laughs> you know. Uh, chitty Chitty Bang Bang, getting back to a movie you care about, Tom. Caractacus Potts, 
Karaktakis Potts is an oddball inventor forever involved in scrapes. What? What is his Dick. name? Karaktakis Potts. Karaktakis Potts. Oh my wow. god. Karaktakis Potts. Hold on, let me write that. I'm going to write my next character in World of Warcraft. C-A-R-A-C. That's going to be his name. Karaktakis Potts. Karaktakis Potts. Yeah. Grandfather of Annie. That's awesome. Capering about and bursting into songs. So madcap is he. His home features one of those conical buildings that uses moving air to drive sails for the purpose of wheat processing. Caractacus and his beloved truly scrumptious bamboozle the Baron of Bulgaria with hurdy-gurdy body popping <laughs> in an attempt to retrieve his demonically possessed Grand Prix winning vehicle, which has one of those old-fashioned squeeze hooters. <laughs> That's pretty good. Kelly Wan, he made me want to see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang way better than anything you've ever said about it. Yeah, I didn't say anything that good. <laughs> it's pretty descriptive and accurate. Kelly Wan, what do you call something that's a cone shape? Uh, a C cup? <laughs> Thematic elements. Living in a fantasy land, European kleptocracy, child abuse, a large honking bulb. I was really trying to think of horns, those Wahuga horns. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Just a but there's just too many. Number two, Convoy. <laughs> the Chris Christopherson one. I think his name's Duck in that. Oh, the Chris Christopherson Ducky. one. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, Gumball Rally, by the way. The call of the big rig can be heard for miles over the dusty plains. This versatile communication technique is used for sexual foreplay, organizing stampedes, terrorizing smaller vehicles, signifying to other rigs that they'll soon be pulling a hard left through a four-way intersection, (laughs) turning left, entering New Mexico, besieging Texan jails, frightening ice cream sellers, sounding a mournful lament for the demise of celebrated beard wearer Martin Penwald, (laughs) jeering at the hapless politicking of a state governor. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. East Leaf. Bring in it. Bring in the yeah. pain. Thematic elements. The working class exploited by a cynical white crook. Oh yeah, I forgot the Trump the Donald Donald. Oh right. <laughs> a large honking bulb. Now I get what that means. See? It's, it's so there's so much going on in Keith Leaf's writing. The working class exploited by a cynical white crook, racist victimization, much honking, and catastrophic pileups. <laughs> honking. Number one, top secret. Hillary Flamond is wearing an evening gown when she makes her rendezvous with Agent Cedric, who's wearing a car. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh this is a good one. one. I can't believe I way. couldn't think about this. I know. I remember what he's talking about instantly. Omar Sharif. Uh, it's yeah. like it's, a, it's an erection joke. Yes. So when she reaches over to retrieve a ballet ticket from the glove compartment, Agent Cedric's confronted with her decolletage, causing the car aerial to extend. The horn also sounds. Fuck! That's so much better than wrongfully accused. Okay, I've changed my number one. Tom, edit. That's a really great one. Damn it. This is terrible now. Fucking terrible. I mean, it's no one Harry Metalli, but it's pretty good. No, but I love that. It's an... I... Ah, shit. That's a really great... Now I'm really depressed. Keith and we're Lee. both top secret apologists. I know, and I love that part. That was one of the best jokes of the movie for me. Yeah, Jesus. It's been previously. It's so dumb too, and it's so, and it's Omar Sharif's boner, which to me is even better. <laughs> like that's who's doing it, Doctor Chicago. It's been previously established during Agent Cedric's attempts to reach the ticket. That moment of Agent Cedric's dominant hand. What? 
Hang on, I got kicked out of the thing. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed Kelly Wan's pronunciation of conical and décolletage so far. Conical. Yeah. Décolletage. Get another one earlier tonight that I really liked. I'm keeping notes here. Was, though. But who can blame Cedric, played by award-winning septilingual United Nations honoree Omar Sharif for having a quick knuckle shuffle when presented with such arresting jubblies? Yowza. Thematic element, a rich man in his twilight years grabbing himself. Honk hog. <laughs> Keith Leith. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Well done, Keith. Keith made me want to see Convoy as well. Yeah. That's how good his writing is. I, I still don't want to see Top Secret, though. What? It's a grandpa movie. Val Kilmer. Ugh. It's a Zucker Brothers thing, isn't it? It's the airplane guys, right? You like Zucker Punch. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that to Zack Snyder's masterpiece. Oh. Martha's piece. Martha <laughs> Giovanna Jelly writes. <laughs> I mean, he didn't do Wonder Woman, did he? Never mind. Let me stress. Arthur Giovanni Jelly writes number three. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> this bodes well. Yeah, the whole list. Okay. Number three, the Santa Claus. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. All of Santa's list is brought to Tim Allen's house by UPS trucks. The parcels are so numerous, they take up almost all of Allen's living room, which he's not pleased about. He chases after the mini delivery trucks and bangs on their doors, <laughs> causing them to honk their horns at him and hit him with their hats. <laughs> That's how it was written in the script. Verbatim. <laughs> Number two, Star Trek Four. No colon. When the crew first arrives in San Francisco, they walk across a busy street, causing a man driving a car to slam on his brakes and beep his horn at them. I believe he yells at William Shatner, and Shatner is unsure how to respond. So it's like Keith Lee's, but a little less flowery. <laughs> Alameda, that is what I said. Alameda. Yeah. What? <laughs> Is that from Star Trek? It's from Star Trek 4. No colon. Uh, Alameda, that's what I said. Alameda, where are the nuclear vessels? Who's the new Star Trek captain on the TV series? Oh, I don't know, but I'm curious. This is a train wreck, right? It's really weird. Yeah. Is it one of the chicks, one of the horrible actresses from Walking Dead is one of the, the principals. That's one of the things I remember about it. Isn't she? Yeah, and the captain's Cheech Marin or somebody. Dude, really? That I would actually be interested in. Or Chong. Yeah, that, that's the part that then you'd be sucked in. That's the thing. Yeah. That well, if they do something weird like that. Dingus, aren't you fired up about a new TV Star Trek? You love TV sci-fi. No, I don't. Because you, yeah, you, sort of, you were really heartbroken about that Scott Bakula Enterprise one, I, I recall. Oh, boy. When Cisco got his ship, though. <laughs> Star Trek is one of my runners-up, by the way. But moving on. What is the new Star Trek called? Discovery, I think. Oh. Something really boring. It's another prequel, too. So there's <laughs> a lot of suspense. Star Trek, etc. I know who the captain is. Oh, no. Never mind. 
You think there's someone out there who watches all the Star Treks chronologically, like when they take place? Like they start with Enterprise and then they watch the show. Do you think there's someone who does that? Yeah. (laughs) The same person who made the Godfather movies and put them all sequential. Like took all the flashbacks, put it in the beginning. So when when does Star Trek start? Because I'm going to be watching it. Star Trek. Uh, I don't care. Or no. In that order. (laughs) Michelle, let me know. Michelle Yeoh is credited. Right. So I will definitely be watching this Star Trek Discovery. I will be defending it. I will be an apologist for it, and it will give me my my Michelle Yeoh. I have not had enough Michelle Yeoh. I didn't get enough in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I need more. She's in it? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Kelly Wan, have you seen that movie? Yes, she's She's in it. She's also a captain. She has her own spaceship. She's one of the – She's one I of called, the, I called her uh, role a cameo, and Tom took umbrage with them. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh does not do cameos. Kelly, or Dingus, what's your name? She does cameos. Get it? <laughs> with a Y. Shut up, Kelly. Transformers: Age of Extinction. Ugh. Nice. Javon and Jelly continues. When Mark Wahlberg crashes a small spaceship into a crowded street, it causes traffic to halt, and many drivers honk their horns at him. Mini driver? Well, okay, I get it. When a motorist gets out of his car to yell at him, Wahlberg picks up a nearby bottle of Budweiser, opens it bottle, oh. opens it on the motorist's car door, and takes a drink. That's not a horn. Oh, the horn is before that. It is without a doubt ridiculous product placement for Budweiser bottled beer. Don't made me laugh. <sighs> Kelly Wan, uh, Transformers The Last Night coming up this summer. Wait, Last Jedi and Last Night are the same year? Those two movies? The, the next Star Wars movie is this year? Yeah. Oh. December. Oh, yeah, cool. December. All right. There's oh, this one is every the, year. There's, this a, the, there's a real one. Right, and then, and then the, the B-side one. Is this the Ryan Johnson one? Yeah, it's oh, like Call okay. of Duty. Uh, Luke Kier writes, Fassbender thinks he's being great, thinks he's great being a self-taught flautist, but I'm a self-taught carn hornist. <laughs> I'm the worst reader, I'm so sorry. Wait, who, is this still Arthur Jovalajelli writing this No, this stuff? is Luke Kier. Oh, Luke of- Kier, right, right. Luke no, I think Kier. we've talked about his name uh, being Kierdolia's first name as well. Oh, did he write about the movie in his 3x3 email? Luke here? No. All right. He just did the, he did the horns. Oh, okay. He says, horns sound goofy to me, so I chose some goofy picks. Number three, Halloween. An obvious one, Annie's death scene. When I was a kid, I thought Annie was an image of beauty pottering around the house with nothing but her white blouse and long yellow socks. But moments later, she's sadly murdered by Michael in her car. The horn honks a few times during the scene, but the most chilling one's the long, drawn-out honk as she slowly slides down her seat. Far from the image of beauty, she does a strange eye roll. The eye roll always made me giggle, and the horn always made me question why no one in the neighborhood heard it, particularly Loomis. Groundhog Day. Is that the reason? Yeah. So he's in the back seat. It's one of those kind of things. That's a Michael Myers kill? Yeah, the, the, the kills back then, when you think about it, were just so mild in comparison. I know. They seem like, scary oh, at the time. 
yeah, at the time, like, oh, she got corroded. She's being strangled. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's, you know, this That's what color- I miss most about childhood is being watching a movie like Halloween and actually being scared by it. Right, right, exactly. Like, I think I'm, those days are behind me. He's not talking about PJ Souls, is he? I don't think so. Because PJ Souls is the one that I definitely. I don't, I don't remember how she. Didn't she get killed by the guy? At, well, I don't know. The ghost? Yeah, yeah, because that's oh. what. I don't think she died in a car. PJ Souls is the chick that I definitely remember. But I don't think she died in the car. All right. There's one who just keeps running between houses. You go, well, she's out of she's out of the woods because she's outside. But right. then she runs into the wrong house or something, yeah. or she runs into back into the same house. Groundhog Day. During a string of suicides, Bill Murray steps in front of an oncoming lorry and holds his hands in the air. The lorry driver honks the horn. Bill Murray opens and closes his hands like he's squeezing two horns himself. Weirdly, Murray's motions don't match up to the sound of the horn, but the score. I always wondered whether this was intentional because Murray's motions just don't make sense if they aren't mimicking the horns. Still, the screech of tires, honk of horn, and Murray's apathetic suicide face were forever etched in my memory. We now know where uh, – is it Luke Kier? Is that what his name is? Yeah. Yeah, we now know where he's from, somewhere where they, <laughs> they don't speak American. because They're called right. trucks, Luke. Lorries. Lorry. <laughs> yeah, lorry. Do Australians, do Australians call them lorries too, or is that just a UK thing? They don't have trucks there. Right. They, you know what they have? They have oots. Yeah. Which is short for a utility vehicle. That's right. And, Kay, and Ruse. What's up, Kelly? Gremlins. In the department store, Gizmo recklessly drives his pink car Uh-oh. and almost hits Barney the dog. Uh-oh. That's in the first one? I guess it is. He honks his horn, the dog barks, and Gizmo utters an adorable woof woof before driving off. It's such a cute scene, but it always struck me that the horns sounded as though it should have been on a vehicle at least 100 times the size of the pink car. I, I Gremlins would have been so much better without the Gizmo cutesiness. Like, I, yeah. Gizmo just takes the edge off of Gremlins that, that Phoebe Kate's dead dad in the chimney should, should have given it. Right. It's sort of like Joe Dante, like, gets really dark, but then, oh, look how cute Gizmo is. Oh, look mm-hmm. at Gizmo in a little car driving around. Oh, he's, made, he's friends with the dog. Oh, get that out of there. I want, a, I want a fan edit of Gremlins without any Gizmo nonsense. It, Gizmo kind of sucks, too, because, like, Zach Galifianakis, Galliganakis, Zach Galliganakis. Gaffigan? No, now I can't think of his last name because you've ruined it. All right. He's Zach, told it, not to feed the. It's Zach Gaffigan, isn't it? Or is that Jim Zach Gaffigan? Galligan. No, Jim Gaffigan is the guy who doesn't like hot pockets. I think it's right. Zach Gaffigan. Okay, I'll buy that. But anyway, what about him, Kelly? Well, Zach Galifianakis is feeding the gremlins, <laughs> and then. Uh, I guess what you said didn't register at all, so nice nope. try. Offers- didn't expect it to. He offers Gizmo some food, too, which is dumb. And Gizmo shakes his head politely. Oh, right, right. Gizmo knows he's not supposed to be fed after midnight. Yeah, but he also doesn't go, wait, don't feed them, you idiot. Like, he doesn't, like, try to stop Zach, even though the Grimms are going to try to kill him, too. Like, he just kind of acts like, nah, I'm not interested in eating and becoming evil. But go ahead and do it to them. It's fine. Nice work, Gizmo. Thanks, Gizmo. Um, Didn't. Somebody might have been Markinson choose that for toys as well. The pink car. Gizmo. Oh. Mm, I don't know. I think so. Why? Because it works. Like it runs like a real car. No, he just liked it as a car, and I think he put a gif up of it. Doesn't Gizmo do a a jump and then like? Ah, flying cars too. I like. I like where you're going, Kelly. 
Flying cars, car horns. It's not flying if it doesn't provide its own, if it doesn't have lift. If it doesn't lift. have, yeah, it's true. Not flying. Chris Barkardson writes, hey guys, here's some car horns that I like. <laughs> Number three, top secret, Omar Sharif and his car coming. <laughs> He's able to reach a ticket. Uh, vehicles 10 extends, car horn goes off twice. Number two, La La Land. I mean, I honestly, I honestly thought that's why you picked this, Kelly Wand. I, I, I mean, I maybe mean, it's just because I've seen it as many times as I have. But I, I was like, oh, yeah, Kelly Wand is obviously expecting we're going to mention La La Land, and we're going to have to think up other things as well. That was my – the first thing I thought when you said this topic. It was hiding in plain view like the alien in Alien on the <laughs> shuttle at the end. <laughs> when it's camouflaged. <laughs> uh. Does it know it's camouflaged? Why is it sleeping then? Like, oh, you take it off the shuttle. All right, let's take a break here. Take your time. You just, you just hit buttons near my head. <laughs> hey, keep it down. Here's my hand. All right, you got it again. Oh, you're singing a song. Ah, oh, smoke my face. Uh, oh, my God. Kelly wants internal monologue of the alien. That's amazing. Oh, you're back. I mean, will you? Well, I'm going to wait till you turn back around and look at me. <laughs> hey, what are you doing now? <laughs> oh, I infected the cat. Uh, <laughs> that's the feature that way. Number one, Fight Club. The Wait, what, is he, what does he say about La La Land? Oh, traffic jams occurred on a freeway because a bunch of people got out of their cars and started dancing. When they finally get back in their cars, the traffic jam clears. <laughs> Emma Stone's busy practicing her script, doesn't notice this or the dancing, causing Ryan Gosling to honk his horn at her. He then pulls up alongside her where she gives him the finger and he once again honks his horn. But he doesn't point out it's also the same horn that finds her in Boulder City. That's the same horn that plays them into resetting the timeline where we see his perspective. It's Mark the same horn. It's the same horn where we find out. That's how we find out that they're together is we hear the horn coming to pick her up. He also explains the, what horns do in jazz while the guy is trying to play jazz and Ryan Gosling's talking over him. Correct, but there's no vehicle. There's no vehicle involved there. Well, it's a vehicle for Gosling. Very good. Uh, you know what? That don't don't diminish La La Land like that, Kelly Wand. Diminish it. Don't diminish it. Yeah, don't diminish La La Land. Don't diminish La La Land. It's way more than a vehicle for Ryan Gosling. It's a vehicle for Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone and Damien Chazelle. It's a vehicle for Moonlight. Number one, Fight Club. The Derrida and Tyler take baseball bats to a bunch of car bumpers, causing the airbags on the cars to deploy, as well as the horns to start honking as the car alarms go off. So I don't want to ever get Markinson in trouble because Lord knows he is the one of the best friends of the podcast. But Kelly Wand is the horn that goes off as the result of a car alarm. Uh, that's a good question. Is I it mean, still the horn? Still the horn. It, it, it's yeah, correct. It is using the horn. And, you know, I guess Kelly Wand's specification of the topic does allow some wiggle room, but uh, that's almost like a car alarm that's using a horn. Like the, yeah. the fundamental essence of that is the car alarm. The horn happens to be a part of it. If I, w- I, I feel like if I were a prosecuting attorney, I could get Markinson on that one. 
Maybe not. Let's Maybe take not. it to the Ninth Circuit. It might have to go that far, yeah. What's Rosenstein say? Well, let's see if he uh, what he knew and when he knew it. Uh, so called horn. Too. All right, that's it for everything ever on horns. <laughs> oh, okay. You Unless you have runners ups. I have one runner up. It's uh, the beginning of Star Trek 2009 when James Tiberius Kirk is uh, has stolen his. Uh, I think it's his stepfather's uh, 65 Corvette Stingray. Oh, yeah. And he's driving down the road, and this is the first time in the Star Trek uh, movieology that we get to hear sabotage. Uh, and he's driving down this long, uh, deserted road, and uh, there's this kid who just hears this car in the distance coming from behind him and just kind of lazily puts his thumb out. And uh, James Tiberius Kirk honks the horn, honk, honk, honk. As he goes by him, and he just yells at the kid, "Hey, Jonathan!" And he just keeps driving because there's a cop behind him. And Jonathan's <sighs> like, "What?" <laughs> Dingus, Dingus, do you think I could sell Kelly Wand on Star Trek Beyond, the ship that they hijack to fly through the little nano swarm? That the song "Sabotage" is that ship's horn. Do you think ah, I, I like Kelly that. Wand on that. Yeah, and it annoys the other uh, drivers. Yeah, it makes them blow up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right. In that case, that's my number four. Oh. Kelly okay, <laughs> writes this down. All right. So, Dingus, uh, it's over to you then. What is next week's three by three? Right, these are your three favorite addresses in movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Prometheus Lane. <laughs> <laughs> 10 Cloverfield. Ah, Kelly Wand. Oh, Kelly, Dingus, Kelly Wand already took my number one. Nightmare. Okay, he's already, you're already, uh, you're you're under pre-arrest. Me or Kelly Wand? Kelly Wand. Oh, yeah, okay. Olympus Z- has fallen. Stop it. Stop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dingus, what if listeners are like me and they're thinking, oh, yeah, I think I want to mention this one or that one. Donkey A94. No, Trash Compactor 5167298. Yeah. TK421. <laughs> That's his address in his helmet. <laughs> Do you guys know uh, in, Clock, in Clockwork Orange, uh, Malcolm McDowell's prisoner number? I don't know why. For some reason, I remember his prisoner number. Is that weird? In which no. movie? Clockwork Orange, Malcolm uh, McDowell's prisoner number is 655-321. Like it's How an easy you know number. That? I don't know why I know that, but that's just weird when you're talking about trash compactors. Six five three two one. Like that's they how the yeah the super abusive like prison guards refer to them is six double five three two one. I don't know why. I mean it's an easy number to remember. Wow, it just rolls off your tongue though. That it yeah. sounds cool. It's got a nice rhythm to it. Well, it sounds like Jenny's phone number the way you say it. I well, got it. I got it. Could be a song. Yeah, it's Anthony Burgess for you. There you go. All right. Yeah. So if no. any listeners no. want Jurassic. to write in, what'd you say? Jurassic what? Addresses. Jurassic World is an address. Jurassic World, yeah. What's the zip code for Jurassic Jurassic World Lane? (laughs) Costa Rica, 91210. 300 million BC. Kessel Run. Oh, yeah. All right, you guys stop talking now. You're just being weird, and you're going to give things away. Four. Okay. All right. If uh, anybody wants to send in their favorite addresses in movies, I don't want you to choose a dress that somebody wears. Nice. Addresses. Yeah. Don't don't try to game this, Mr. Man. You know what I'm saying. 
Um, what about redresses? Like the one in uh, La La Land that the roommate wears. Shut up, Kelly. They all, what do you mean roommates? They all wear dresses, Kelly Wand. There's red, yellow, and green. What do you mean the roommates? Well, that's not the movie I want to see. <laughs> and that's actually, so it's uh, the, the red dress chick. The blue dress that Emma Stone wears belongs to the red dress chick. Uh, like that's know. her dress. Like she owns two of the dresses in that scene. I'm just saying. She, she thought it be a musical about her. You'd think, yeah. She The bulk of the wardrobe does belong to her. She, she goes into Emma Stone's closet. She's like, hey, why do I recognize this? And Emma Stone's like, I was going to give that back. And then she uh-huh. wears it to the party. She's a thief. I wonder what the address is of their apartment. Hmm. Six La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was like, Dingus, did you say so? Uh, three by three, uh, three X3 at quarter to three dot com. Sinister oh, addresses. Address. Uh, oh. Yeah, Dingus, do you need to maybe narrow it down? I'm, I'm seeing something that Kelly Wan might abuse. What did Kelly just oh. say? He said websites. An, he said an email address. Are you okay with that, or should what I? What about an IP address? I'm looking for physical addresses. I okay. would say street addresses, but I'm fine with apartments as well. Okay, good. Because I, yeah, Kelly Wan almost got. I don't it. want earls. No earls. Wait, so what about the thing an Indian wears on its head? Now, see, Dingus, I don't you know what that means. Feathers. Yeah, headdress. No, feathers, it you, you almost, Dingus. It's like when when you don't when uh, Amy Simons was unable to shut the door on the alien. It was almost like oh. that. And Kelly got out. Character I am. Going to show up with a bunch of email addresses for the three by three, and you, you, you closed that door, and Kelly Wand banged into the door as it was closing. He was a little alien smacking right into the door. Ha ha, Kelly Wand. Damn. Oh, All right, no. next week we're going to see a movie. I was going to do a thing where I was going to give you guys because we we can't see Baywatch because Germany doesn't get it when it opens here in the U.S. Obviously, we're all champion at the bit to see that. However, the it's not in Germany, so we were going to have to see. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. However, we would like to weasel out of that. So what I was going to do (laughs) is list the names of three what I consider flawed gems. They're movies that I variously like, but I want to – one of them I think you guys would make fun of me for liking. So we're not going to see Lady Bloodfist. Love love that movie, but I don't think it's for you guys. We're also not going to see a kind of a low-budget, interesting, but I think ultimately not very good horror movie called The Void. That was going to be the other thing. I was going to have you guys vote, but if you'd picked one of those two, I don't think that would have been a good idea. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to tell you the name of the movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. It's available online. Uh, everyone has access to it. Listeners, you should see this movie and then let us know what you think by sending your comments to 3x3 at quarter3.com. We would love to read them. Make sure it's a separate email from your 3x3 pick of best street addresses um, and or apartments. Uh, and let us know what you think of this movie. So join us next week for a podcast for a movie called The Survivalist. So why wait? Why, why does that? Ir- Kelly, one when we saw uh, when I saw Alien Covenant with Dingus, and there's the bit where uh, you find out a certain revelation from a certain guy named David to a certain woman named Daniels at a certain crucial point. At that moment in the movie, Dingus smirked audibly. The noise you just heard when I said the survivalist echoed throughout the theater at this very, very serious moment in Alien Covenant. Uh, that um, was um, the first time he did it? <laughs> in the movie? I'm, I'm really sorry about that because after I did it, I thought, what if Tom's liking this and I've just ruined this moment for him? I, 
I, I like that you didn't ruin the moment, but no, I, I was, I, I definitely know. When, when Dingus has these little audible outbursts, like when he stood up in Star Trek, I went, nice. Like I remember right. those stand out for me. So when Dingus yeah. smirked off, and it was a smirk worthy moment, uh, it, at least it was in, it was slightly before. You should have smirked a little bit later with a, a line, don't let the bed bugs bite. That's when you should have smirked, Dingus. Right. That's right. the last line of the movie. Uh, but so anyway, I, why did you smirk at the survivalist? It just it sounds like it sounds like the a fake title it. from Seinfeld. From like they're they're going to go watch it, the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a real movie. I don't get your you, you you know you see the world through the lens of Seinfeld. Dingus, not everything is Seinfeld or Star Wars. Those two things or Star Trek. Those three things. I see it through Cheers. Kelly Wan didn't laugh at the survivalist, or actually, did you? Well, might have. All right. <laughs> Well, you know what? For, rock is, for all you well, guys, it's no accountant, I guess. <laughs> all right. uh, maybe hold that thought. Mm. Mm. All right. So join uh, us for the survivalist, a three by three of our favorite addresses next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Dingus Smirkovsky. It's Christian Murawski and Kelly Wand. Uh, Tommy Lee honks a boat horn with his dick in the Pam Anderson sex video. Oh, God. There's a dub exhibit at the museum. I guess you could say it's a real coup. The dub exhibit. Doves. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! That wasn't your choice to make, Ridley. Bring me the tea, Kelly. How does T spell out with the white lines really slowly? <laughs>